If you guys want to stick around, then we'll stick around. If you guys want to stick around, we're willing to make this the longest Pearl Jam show that ever has been played. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking camera in the truck. Once again, welcome to the Live on Four Legs podcast, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience. And you're here for another episode. Uh, Strap in, folks. This is going to be a ride. If you are in the car right now, uh, take a detour because uh, there's a lot of talking and a lot of listening going on in this one. Folks, this is State College from 2003 we're covering today. And obviously, as always, we have Matt Helbig over there on, on his side. Hello, sir. Hello. Uh, coming off of a good show for you, you're uh, revamped, reinvigorated after after that one last week? I had to listen to the bootleg a few more times. Yeah, I, I wasn't quite done with it. <laughs> and also, we have uh, Mr. Patrick Bogle is back on the show. Hello. Welcome, Patrick. Hey, guys. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, thank you for coming back. Uh, it has been a couple months, but um, I saved this one uh, specifically for you because I know we had talked about it at one point. And uh, actually, if you're listening to this on the Friday that, that this is released, uh, it's the anniversary of it. It's the, what, uh, one, two, count, on, count on my fingers and my toes, what, 16 years? 16, 16. 16 year anniversary. So Almost we- literally to the day because it was on a Saturday night. Wow, look at that. The moon and the stars, they, they all align. And we, that's as close as we can get because if it were next year with the leap year, it wouldn't be on the Saturday. God, leap years. Yeah, fuck them. Why can't there just be 366 days every year? That would be good. <laughs> um, so doing the show, I, I, everybody has, you know, my whole entire time following Pearl Jam, this has always been one that people have just brought up constantly, time and time again, State College, State College, State College, State College. It really wasn't until recently that I'm like, okay, you know what, I'm going to dig into this. What made this good? Why, you know, is a 36-song set, which, you know, at the time is is a lot, but even for today's standards can be considered a lot, but why in particular is this show good? Uh you know, first of all, it's the Riot Act era. This is my favorite tour 
time of the band. I, I would assume it's probably yours too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was quite fortunate to go to nine shows on this tour. Um, and this was actually the third of this week um, that I went to. Um, and uh, the band, and it was just a very, very interesting time for them live. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this tour was it's hard to say it's like a coming out party for Stone Gossard because of how influential he was in writing a great deal of the band's music, but in a live setting, he was obviously always there and part of it, but there are just so many things that he does um, in this tour, song to song, night to night. Um, and then this just entire week was incredible in terms of the output. You know, and a lot, you know, of lore is is cast on you know, a couple of days earlier in Uniondale with the Bush Leaguer event. Um, but you think about it, and this just this one week, Monday night they were at the Spectrum in Philly. Uh, the following night they drove all the way up to Albany, New York, and played at what was then the Pepsi Arena. Then they did a U-turn and head down to Uniondale to play the infamous Uniondale show, which I think is. If you dig into that, much, much, much better than just the Bush Leaguer incident. Um, and then that the is day, one of the best even flows of all time, if I'm not mistaken. It could, it very well could. Uh, and at and on the flip of that, they take a day off and they chug all the way up to the far western region of uh, New York to go to Buffalo, uh, which also includes a absolutely incredible even flow where. Um, McCready drops off a few more riffs similar to what he did at uh, PNC uh, later in the summer. Some nods to uh, Third Stone from the Sun and a couple other things. And, and that set list in and of itself is just pretty dynamic and awesome where they throw in a couple of curveballs and just a, a, a different sort of take on things. And then, and then they come to finish in a flurry on a Saturday out in State College in Pennsylvania. So and basically they were... one night off. They were in, yeah, they were in Albany before they were in Nassau Coliseum. I thought it was the other way around. Yeah, no, the night before. Uh, Albany was the 29th, and then Nassau Coliseum was the 30th. Wow. Oh, that's insane. I mean, their numbers on this, uh, I, I counted it up. A 33-day tour that started in uh, Denver, Colorado on, I believe it was April 1st. Uh, ending on May 3rd, it's 23 shows with only 10 off days. That's absolutely insane, even for standards, uh, for not just for their standards, but for any band's standard. Uh, you know, uh, with how much they change up their set list and they, you know, how much time they put in and work they put into to putting on this stage show. Most bands that do something like this, they are planned out ahead of time. This is what we're going to do this whole entire tour. Maybe a couple audibles here and there, but, you know, the basic structure doesn't change for a 33-day uh, tour set. So it, it's pretty amazing. That and when you... Yeah, when you, and when you even look into, like, leg two of this, I, like I said, I saw them nine times. I saw... The, them open with the same song only twice in the nine shows that I saw. Wow. Uh, and both of those were Crazy Mary. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I, lo I love that. just kind of bringing, bringing it back from last episode that 
how how rare we talked about that that those were the only two times you got them both in basically back to back months. Yep. Yeah, no, it was good. But insane. it's and they they really they this was to me this was like the the between this and the binaural tour were like the beginnings of their uh or not necessarily the beginnings. It was really the essence of their trying to um, to really make sure that they shuffled the, the deck a little bit um, night to night to try to really allow people to get um, a different experience. Like they were they were always trying to throw in just a little bit of a wrinkle, even when set lists were. You know, you could look at even the set from this particular night, and it's, it's on paper other than the couple of things that they kind of throw in there that maybe do or don't work, it kind of looks pedestrian. But when you look back at the previous days before, um, you know, it, it, it was a night to night shuffle that they were trying to pull off. Um, and I think they did it rather well. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that you see in the set list that we'll talk about, uh, within the next couple of minutes, uh, it's, you're right. It, it is kind of pedestrian. The first like four or five songs, it's not like you can't see those in order almost any night, including in 2019. This is a pretty basic beginning of the set. And then even when uh, you go all the way to the last encore, the third encore, uh, that besides Fortunate Son, that's all stuff that you can pretty much see every single night. Uh, but it, it's for me it wasn't about that it was more about just the the energy especially at the end of the night the energy uh that everybody had that they knew that they had not played a show like this this whole tour where they did 36 songs and not only just that but this kind of paved the way for things like mansfield i don't know if if the whole mansfield project was uh was set in stone by this point where they knew what they were going to do. But um, I don't think that there's a Mansfield if there isn't a state college. It's, it's quite possible. Um, I don't think that they ever could have planned that out. It's, it's similar to even what they did with PNC. It was like, Hey, we've, we've played, you know, on that entire tour at that point, uh, almost 73 shows. When you go back to what they did in, uh, in Australia and um, Japan and whatnot, um, and, and you know they were they were just looking to shuffle the deck entirely when they did that. Hey, let's do two songs from every every album and and maybe throw in Wash and I got it in here and, and see where that goes. <laughs> you know they were just they, they were willing to shuffle the deck um, as much as possible and be interesting. I've said I, yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. I, I just wanted to say, just wanted to throw in real quick that Randy, I'm sure you're aware that I I actually was at that the the Union Dale Coliseum show. Uh, but that's all I'll say because I know I was there because I saw them there. They only played there one time. I remember nothing from it other than um, where I sat. The sound was terrible. If you know anything about the old Coliseum, uh, oh, couldn't absolutely, hear, couldn't yeah. hear a damn thing. And uh, I think it was. I, I think that was a whole family thing. I think it was me, my sister, my brother, and my parents. I think all of us went, <laughs> and we were like upper deck. Uh, couldn't hear a thing. Yeah, I saw back in the day the Grateful Dead there a couple of times, and then I saw yeah. the Who when they did their Quadrophenia tour. Oh, that's cool. Um, and uh, and I, you know, I, the 
it's not a place to see a concert. It just yeah, isn't. no. <laughs> it was it was what we did last week MSG the same year. That's what that's what stuck out in my mind. The the Uniondale one was overshadowed for sure. Yeah. Yeah, even even now I didn't I haven't seen a concert at the new Nassau Coliseum, but I went to a wrestling event there and they were having sound problems the entire night. The mic was going in and out. Uh, you know, whether you were hearing the announcer, whether you were hearing the 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 music that with with the videos that were playing, like there were just constant constant issues. Um, chalk it up to a management problem instead of a an arena problem. I, that's at least how I see it. Um, all right. Uh, this is going to be fun. Like I said before, strap in anything else before we kind of dive into this, like your personal going to the show. Is there, is there a good story from, you know, just, just the ride there and, and the two nights before and kind of what you were anticipating. I, the only, the, thing i can say is uh i went to the show with a, a, a very good friend of mine that i went to uh that um i met in college um we're still good friends he actually lives out in the seattle area these days um but uh at the time he was uh, still on the east coast and uh we just kind of got together friday night at my house out in new jersey at the time i'd been living there for a little over a year after living in the city for a bit um and uh then after listening to some music on friday night we headed out to state college on saturday it was a couple hours drive head there just to pick up the fan club tickets and um i just remember it being a sort of a very nice sunny day out on the campus i'd never been there before um and hanging out in line talking to people and it was also the day that they started releasing the Live at the Showbox DVD. Um, and they were just walking around, uh, 10 Club folks, like with a, a hefty bag of DVDs. <laughs> and it was, and you, they were just selling them to people. And you didn't have to go to a merch booth. They were like, hey, we got them. And yeah, I think they were like 15 or 20 bucks. Um, so they were just selling them on the fly. And I made sure I was buying one for another friend of mine who uh, was a big fan that uh, I had seen a number of shows with over the years, um, who unfortunately at this point, he and I have hadn't been in touch in a, in a while, and so I'd love to try to catch up with him at some point. But uh, Hopefully he's uh, listening. Never I would know. like him to listen because he, I think he would, uh, he would get a, a thrill from, uh, from this, uh, so never know. Uh, but, uh, it, you know, just like hanging out in line that day, picking up tickets there were tons of fan club members there so it was uh it was just you know a highly anticipated end of a good first leg of a tour um and couldn't ask for better weather on a saturday in the spring just hanging out and talking to people and and waiting for a show i'm curious what was the ratio from fan club members to like just random college kids that maybe got tickets through, I don't know, like the Penn State, uh, just whatever college Social, ticket social events calendar. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it, I, my recollection on that is is very, very, very few. Um, it was okay. a Pearl Jam fan invasion because it seemed at that point in time that college was pretty much done for the year. 
um, in that that first week of May. There, there that makes there, sense. Um, the entire town, in and of itself, was a little bit. Um, it seemed like uh, desolate at that point. You know, you, you drive in there. That is obviously the the state college itself is huge to the the area. But when uh, after we had picked up tickets and um, we were looking, you know, we were already had checked into our hotel for the night that was up the road. We wanted to go get something to eat and get a few beers. And it was like, what's open? And we we're going down this main drag. And there wasn't much that was open on a Saturday. We ended up in a Hooters. It was awful. <laughs> um, from from that perspective, it was like, really? But we wanted a burger. And that was like the only place that was open. And it was uh, uh, that, that aspect of it was disappointing. I was like, State College, is there not like, you know, there should be some good bars or something that we can get into. But no such luck on a Saturday in early May. So uh, let's kick into the show then. Um, I think uh, Sparta was the opener. Uh, I don't oh, think God. I've ever listened to Sparta before. Randy, you haven't seen Sparta open for like 20 bands with me? I don't think so. Oh, God, dude, I've seen, <laughs> maybe not 20, but I've seen Sparta like nine times. Really? <laughs> Yeah. What's yeah. like? I don't even know what one of their songs is. No, they're totally forgettable. But I've seen them a lot. <laughs> I think I liked them at the time. I think I really liked them, but I don't remember what they what they sounded like. They opened for everyone from like the Chili Peppers to Pearl Jam. I think I saw them with Incubus twice. So that gives you the kind of. Oh, you know what? Th- I was at one of those Incubus shows. That might have been Union Dale as well. Actually, it, it was. It definitely that was. Might, it might have even been the same year. Uh, it was the year we graduated uh, high school, 04. Okay, so it was it was 04. Okay. Yeah, but I don't remember anything about Sparta. No. I barely no. remember anything about Incubus that night, to be honest with you. What I, re- what I remember from Incubus was, I think, Ben Kenny, the bass player, I think he wore a Sparta shirt for their set. That's what I remember about Sparta, is that, is that the other bands wore that. their T-shirt. <laughs> I, I remember, like, three songs that Incubus played, and that, that was about it. Uh, but no, yeah, no recollection. Um, when I read Sparta, my first thought is Snow Patrol. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. It, it just, that's... I think they were, I think they might've been closer to a Mars Volta, I think. Well, you're thinking that because Mars Volta opened up for all those same bands that you just mentioned. That's true. We've that seen same... Mars Volta like 20 times. That well. one. Okay. Yeah, that one I I'm know. all turned around here. <laughs> Let's, let's focus on, on who we're talking about that we know a lot about. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if you've heard, uh, but this might be a podcast about a band um, uh, that we're going to talk not, about for a couple hours. Not here. a podcast about bands that we've seen open for the bands that we know nothing about. This is not a Sparta podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I'm thinking if my recollection is 100% clear, Sparta probably opened all week for them. And I've always gone in with an open mind to like, hey, whoever's the opening act, I want to hear what they're about because they they could be very interesting. Because mm-hmm. Pearl Jam, I think, as we talked about last time, they opened my mind and turned me on to Ben Harper, which was one of the best things that has ever happened to me uh, through this band. But you know, I I don't have any clear recollection of, uh, of, of Sparta and, and I didn't come out of it thinking I got to go get their records. It just didn't speak to me. 
I was really hoping you were going to start that sentence by saying, uh, yeah, guys, it, it wasn't Sparta after we went on this long <laughs> rant and trying to remember who they were. <laughs> that I, I definitely knew was Sparta because he said at the end of the night, we want to thank a band from El Paso, Texas named Sparta. And I'm like, Sparta right, right, from right. El Paso, Texas? Does that make any sense? <laughs> like, I'm thinking Sparta's from Michigan because Michigan State or like, I don't know, Greece. There was the one thing that I can recollect about that is there was some type of little scene that was developing and coming out of El Paso. It wasn't just Sparta. It was a couple of other bands at that time. Who I, I vaguely. Oh, wait, remember is, that. isn't Who, that isn't that where Mars Volta is from, too? I think that might be. Yes, I think that I is true. I thought Mars Volta wasn't American when you said El Paso and like a uh, a scene in El Paso that kind of clicked in my mind like I feel like i've heard of that before yeah mars volta uh progressive rock band from el paso okay then maybe that was it wow el paso el paso right. uh putting together these you know opening acts from the mid 2000s that really went kind of nowhere uh all right let's uh let's kick things off uh, i think we we hear this all the time we haven't we haven't touched this song uh as an opener for i don't know uh a while and uh, now we can get back to it and kind of, uh, for lack of better terms, uh, gush over it again. At least, uh, at least I will. Um, so why don't we play it? Why don't we kick off State College and hear uh, probably one of their most common openers that you can hear? Release.
this uh, version here, I'm really, really digging it. And it's not like there are other versions of a release that I'm just not into, but like this kind of, this kind of takes me, it kind of puts you in that trance that release does. And it kind of really, it, it sucks you into the moment and it sucks you into the show. This is, um, this is very close to what I remember my first ever song that I, that I had heard at a Pearl Jam show being released. This is very close to the same same vibe, the same kind of goosebump chills that that you get from this. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it was, I again, I I had um, gone to a couple of shows earlier that week, um, and this is a, a non-repeat, and ultimately, even for this entire U.S. tour, just not even just this leg, but the um, the second leg as well. It was, I think, they only played it seven times out of the seven times fifty-four shows that they did. Um, yep. And it was nice and loose, and uh, just had a nice flow and vibe to it, and you know, just it's it's it set a good vibe for for the evening. The fans were you, know, you could hear as they go into the first couple of notes, people were amped up, um, and 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 really excited for what was next. Yeah, well, you know, when it started, I was a little worried because I thought it was it was missing a lot of steam, and I I thought it it was. Uh, slightly on the um, slower. I don't want to say. I don't want to say not energetic. It's not really an energetic song, but you know what I mean. Like, like I didn't think it really had a lot of passion, but it definitely got there. Uh, it, it just needed to gain a little steam for me personally. But um, I totally agree with Patrick with what you said. It was looser and it had it had this good vibe. And there was another song that actually struck me exactly the same ways uh, as as release did in that same in that same way so yeah it definitely got there for me but i i thought they i thought they worked towards it for maybe like half a verse and then and then it was it was a a great opener releases the kind of song i think i think i like it uh that vibe of like almost flowing down a lazy a lazy river uh you know the same way that you know you would be on a tube floating down the river you know very slow and just kind of uh just you know very melodically paced <laughs> I, I don't i don't know if i don't know if, I, if you guys have been on the same rivers i've been on but no, you know what i i think that's a really good analogy and i <laughs> i i think it works really well um but in the beginning of this i kind of got more of the the picture from Tommy Boy where he's stuck out in the middle of the lake where there's no wind when he's sitting <laughs> in his dinghy. And then and then uh, the wind blows and he's he's off. I thought you'd like that analogy, Randy, because I I, I don't think we could even count how many times we watched Tommy Boy's kids growing no, up. No, that you know, and even <laughs> as as adults, you know. Yeah, nothing's changed. The humor holds up. Um, the one, the one little thing that the, my tiny criticism with it is uh, just holding out um, at the end, uh, holding out the the notes for "Release Me," and and he's not, it's not "Release Me." He's he's shortening it up a lot, and it was it's a tiny criticism, but I like when he just kind of busts all out, and I get it. You got thirty five more songs to do in in you know three and a half more hours to go, so you want to pace yourself and you want to save it, but. Um, that is one of my favorite little things about, about this. It just kind of, it, it's atmospheric. It brings everybody into the song. Yeah. He, it, 
he was uh, he was nursing a cold all week. Um, I remember even going back to that the show up uh, in Albany, and he was uh, he was he was a little bit gross on stage. He was you know here and there blowing the the power snots out and uh, <laughs> trying to keep himself uh, a pace. Um, and he did it discreetly. He didn't do it into the mic, but you. <laughs> No, but the Thank stone you. is like I'm stepping in this. Yeah, Stop it's doing it, it, very easily. I mean, I was at that sh- this show. I was like eleventh row on stone side. The Albany show, I was like fourth on Mike's side. So even that 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 distance of uh, of of eleventh to the fourth row was almost a little bit too much 3D uh, to see that. But uh, he was definitely <laughs> trying to to pace himself with some of the things, uh, and especially again. This is the the sixth show in seven days, um, and on a jaunt of a of a journey. So he he held back a little bit here and there, um, whereas sometimes he would just be full force and belting on something like this. Yeah, coming up, there was only really one song that I had. Uh, I thought his vocals were kind of rough, where it sounded like he might have been a little under the weather. But besides that, it wasn't that bad. But we'll get to that when we get to it. It wasn't noticeable because he didn't say anything about it. I was just about to say that it's not like yeah he wasn't talking about it the whole time like what we covered what two three weeks ago uh huh <laughs> non yep. stop oh I have a, I have a cold by the way I, I'm sick uh this one might not sound good you guys you guys you guys this isn't gonna be good I I promise you I, I I'm going through something <laughs> no uh would have never t- been able to tell now now that I I I hear it though I did have. Some stuff marked like, oh, that was interesting. That was interesting. And okay, at least he didn't use it as an excuse. So there you go. I I really, I chalked it up to a, a long tour, a long week. 36 songs I, in this. Yeah. That's, I, that's all I, yeah, that's, that's real. I didn't, I, I didn't really have a complaint about the vocals. No, I, I, I pretty much just assumed that they were, you know, you're at your, you're at the end of it here of, of a leg and, uh, there's a, you know, hold, hold back if you need to. It's it's totally fine. And there's a thing that um, at, at this point in time, I'm assuming Brett Eliason was still doing the both the mixing desk and the the live recording feeds. I could be wrong about that, but in any event, he would have been responsible for for the large bulk of what was going on for um, the house um, sound. Um, if he was not the principal person responsible in the moment they had set it up for um for the basically for how to carry the vocals and how to carry the, the the sound through the venues and one thing that they had started to do really well particularly i think this tour a little bit in the 2000 tour is they they and, and maybe even 98 they figured out how to use uh, when they needed to use gain on ed's vocals so that he didn't have to strain himself um mm-hmm. and scream into an arena and allow it to to be projected via um, just a little bit of technical amplification versus him having to uh, to really push his his vocal cords to a shred. Interesting. It's interesting you bring that up because they, they, there were some I thought there were some kind of strange things going on with the mix on this bootleg that we could talk about later. I don't know if they were compensating for for something, but just an example. I thought uh, I thought McCready's guitar uh was incredibly loud like over the top almost in in some songs and it definitely is it definitely is and there's that's something i noted about like this entire tour that as i've gone back and listened to the bootleg mixes 
they're not always as on as some of the uh, the later years. And actually, when I went back and started listening to the 2000 tour a, a little bit more uh, closely, how well those were mixed, because I think they had a lot more time in the mixing process, where these were fairly instantaneous between show, mix, final mix, and and shooting it off to uh, to get it uh, produced on CD, whereas the previous tour, it was, you know, months before the CDs actually came out. This was only, I feel like it was only a few weeks before you would actually get the physical CD in your hand. Yeah, it's, it's almost a true mixing board mix where you're you're getting exactly what, you know, the... the um where what the what the engineer would have been hearing in his headphones yep. you know which which is also it's it's authentic in a way but it doesn't mean that every venue is going to sound the same exactly and it doesn't mean that everything is going to sound uh produced across the board but there there is charm in that too yep yeah i i i felt like the most interesting thing that came from that was just how much you can hear the crowd and I, th- I i can't remember if we mentioned that off air or not but uh there are a lot of moments where you can specifically hear people in the crowd saying things and uh we'll get to those at some point but um mm-hmm. later years it the crowd sounds almost like they they are in the background and you can really hear the band full force and the crowd is just kind of background noise to the band but this is everything is kind of mixed in together and it feels like you can hear everything in both headphones at the same level almost um let's uh let's move on there's a transition here where mike is using all the feedback at the tail end of release and i thought i thought this was a really cool little part uh where all that feedback sound kind of transitioned and then like fluid in one fluid motion go goes right into save you i thought that was a really cool way to do that um but these three right here i i kind of want to package them together just because they are ones that you could hear in the in this spot uh the the two three four spot pretty much you know kind of throw throw a throw a dart at the dartboard and you can probably get this at at most shows but i want to make the point that uh it's okay to do that it's okay to have that you know predictability and it's gonna work it's save you animal corduroy that really kind of puts this early section in motion and uh gets the energy driving so what did this whole section here um patrick go first what do you what, what do you think that I, I just echo that exactly. I mean, they, they attacked these songs in a way that just brought up the, you know, the the, the house and the energy intensely. Save you at that time was uh, one that I feel like if you're looking at the numbers, they probably played at least every other night, if not a little bit more frequently, which was just fine because it's just it was such a good hard grooving song that features um a a really interesting even though it's like short burst solo from stone and animal they were still playing it really passionately at that point um and then um and corduroy you know it's that's one of those songs where you don't know what's going to happen at this in this era 
of of ninety eight to two thousand three, you just don't know exactly what you're getting. Whether it's going to be a little bit too amped up, or if it's going to be, you know, they're going to be able to harness the, uh, the 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 horse a little bit and ride it. And this was one of those nights where it felt like they did, and especially McCready got into a rip roaring solo in that one. That's really interesting about Corduroy. Actually, I never. I never thought of it that way. I think that's how I'm going to think about it all the time now. Um, yeah, so you, when you get feedback to work for you, uh, it makes for a great transition. And, of course, this is the appropriate time. You couldn't do that into uh, low light. So it, it was it was great. Um, and as we say, you know, with Save You, it doesn't have to be completely over the top. Uh, as long as the the music is there, you know, Eddie could dial it back a little bit because that's how it sounds on the album. And when he sits in the mix a little bit more it's it it makes for a good second song because it's not uh you know he doesn't have to exert but the band could could you know kick you in the pants a little bit and i think that is definitely effective here uh i think animal was my favorite out of the out of the grouping though uh corduroy was okay i going into the next one out of corduroy though is where i realized they're they're not the tightest here but it's kind of like what we were saying about msg night two for 2003 um it's it's okay not to be incredibly tight because it's not that they're sloppy and it's not it's not all on one person. They're just a little energetic and they they're kind of doing their own thing and they're they're probably jumping around and you know being being who they are and uh, it's okay to be a little loose. It's it's definitely a, a, a show on the looser side. I'll I'll put it that way. One of the things uh, I, I meant to interject and point out, uh, you said that Save You was being played a lot uh, back in this era. Um, but I'm curious to know, were, were the fans at, at some point, because Save You was usually in this uh, two, three, four spot. Um, I feel like during the avocado tours, they were getting sick of worldwide suicide as part of this two, three, four spot. Was it the same way with save you or were people that were following them all summer long? Were they still digging it? Were they still into it? Cause I, I couldn't see them not being into this. I mean, I can only really look at it from my eyes and those that I was, you know, you know, at the same time we were, uh, we were still quasi trading tapes the way we did it back then. Don't judge me, whoever is listening from Pearl Jam 10 Club, but we used to maybe I would buy 10 and somebody else would buy 10 and another would buy 10 and we would swap them so that we didn't have to buy 70. Um, How could you do? How could you? What a what a horrible thing to do! You're going to jail, sir. We might have been we might have been doing that, but uh, you know, for for the people that were that that I was with, I mean, we were. I, I was vastly into Riot Act, and it, it you know, it, it, particularly this song. This was one of the ones off that that record that just you know grabbed and me, and I gravitated to it. So, so to hear this frequently was not problematic. Um, and I know what you're saying, you know, about Avocado, but I even think about that. You know, that's that that record not to go off on a giant tangent because uh, we've got a huge show here, but I, I, I puzzle at people that were uh, maybe not into hearing that because I only ended up at, at one show on that tour and I absolutely, you know, was ecstatic to hear them play 
as many songs as they did from it. And I, I wish they played every song from the album because again, I only got to, mm. to one tour or sorry, one show on that tour. So uh, it, it's to me it, like the, the give me everything that they, that they had on the record, you know, go for it, try it, see if it works. If it doesn't work. Okay. And then we'll, you know, we'll figure it out and you figure out if you want to play it again. But I, I, I could have heard save you every night and would have been happy with it. Yeah, that's, you're, you're a good man, Patrick. You're yeah, a good man. That's absolutely. How I look, I, I understand. I guess I understand worldwide suicide a little more. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because you've heard more people complain about it. And in that era, but save you, I can hear it every night and not have any problem with it whatsoever. Where, wherever you want to place it in the set, I'm cool with that. So, um, uh, all right. So into that's, that's, uh, to start off there after really save you animal and corduroy. I know animal and corduroy didn't really get, uh, the spotlight here, but, um, those aren't songs that we've, we've never covered before. So, uh, Ed kind of talks to the crowd says, uh, Pennsylvania Saturday night. It's nice to be here among the highly educated and says on the schedule, we read state college. I knew we were playing state college, but it wasn't until we were driving up and I realized Penn state. Cool. And in parentheses, I write back when Penn state still had some honor. (laughs) Yeah. There were some Penn state jokes that I wanted to throw in there every now and again. I think there needs to be a reminder of, uh, good old sandusky yeah so. that's that's an unfortunate oh, wait, that, wait we got a, we got another uh tommy boy call back there sandusky, <laughs> ohio we're good at this that's right hey we are good at this without even trying to tie in we tie in <laughs> god damn it yeah it's uh, not like i'm thinking of sandusky all the time it's not on my head uh, so i i no, that, it, was, that was coincidental i promise it's it's just funny that you know that it happened to be okay well this 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 guy that this horrible, horrible thing for years and years and years happened to it. It happened to be the same uh, name as a town in Ohio. And what are you going to do? What yeah. are you going to do? Change yeah, your just... name. <laughs> of the, the whole the, town? The city? <laughs> I would. <laughs> to Freedom City. Oh, boy. That, that takes us in a crop duster. Um, out of the Riot Act era shows we've done, I feel like uh, this is usually the spot where a crop duster kind of sits. Um, and I, I think I'm okay with it earlier rather than later. Cause I feel like when you get on to about the 13th or 14th song in the set, you want to grab people's attention more. And when you get the kind of song like this, and at least for me, it's not like one that really stands out to me, but I don't hate it. Um, if it's down later in the set, like post even flow before, you know, evolution or the closer of the first set it kind of i feel like it could get lost so um i think this is the right move to put it up here and kind of uh showcase it a little bit where the crowd has a little more energy yeah i and i i just say i completely lied before when i said uh save you was every other night save you was almost every night this was the one that was they were doing. If you look at the numbers, it was about every other night, um, and it's one that I think at at the time I was hopeful that they were gonna. This would be one of the keepers from this record, and they would grow it and figure it out. But uh, it's kind of fallen to the wayside um, over the years. But it's it's an unusual um, 
sort of an unusual timing and 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 piece to it that I gravitate to and I I liked and I caught it a few times live and th- I would hardly say that this was like some type of perfect uh, moment um, with them playing it but it just I, I felt like they always gave their all with this one and just never found a place for it after this tour unfortunately that's and you're making a lot of really interesting points because it's sparking some thoughts in my tiny little head uh randy i i agree if the the later you go with this the more filler it becomes uh and it's a shame because i really love this song yeah patrick what you what you said about it not really having a spot and and they are passionate about it though and they do sound like they're putting their all into it but i don't know i wasn't crazy about this performance it it's got like this i love the chorus the chorus has always been one of my favorite parts of that whole album just in this one song but um i don't know is there like frustration in their playing like they they're just not getting it right did did you pick up on that that's that's how it comes across sometimes for me yeah i can't figure out exactly what it is i think it's 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 like they're trying really hard to do it well yeah like instead of just playing the song yeah not i don't want to say forced but maybe it is i'm not sure i can i can see that because it's it's an odd it it comes with a little bit of an odd time signature and tempo Mm -hmm. and pace that's what i love it but it's and and to do something like that with timing and 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 the melodies and stuff and to make it catchy is really hard and it is it's re it's such a catchy chorus and i've always felt like they couldn't find the magic in the song until the last part of it the moon is rolling round part i really feel like that's I, when yeah. i agree completely they get yeah. into that and even so like the way they get into that is kind of they go back into the intro and it's kind of unchanged that always kind of i don't know it threw me off i i didn't like how they went back to the same exact thing they started with the uh, uh, in the song it's like it's not animal where you can do that and it has the constant pace and motion of this the whole time it's you know, it shows up once and then it kind of pops back in and then you go into another section that doesn't sound like the rest of the song. That to me, mm-hmm. like, it's a little jarring. Yeah, Riot Act is a um, fantastic studio album that had a hard time translating itself live. Yep. I think uh, we touched up on it last week when we talked about Get Right and how, you know, I, it's it's a I feel like it's a filler song on the album, but hearing it live, it just doesn't translate because you know there are parts where the chorus and the verse are basically like magnets, and Ed can't transition and go from finishing the chorus to starting the verse and get all of the words in right. He he chops off like half of the first sentence of of the next verse. Yeah, it th- just kind of doesn't work. I think you guys hit the nail on the head when you were talking about it last week it was uh, the it, having Matt do the, the vocals with him on that and, and the backups. But honestly, I would say almost taking a, a dual lead in some of the parts would make that work. Um, and honestly, that's a song where if they could get it back, if they could get it back in their idea of putting that together, it fits the register of the way Ed can really sing now as he's gotten older and i think if they if they attack that in a little bit of a different way it would be a dynamic and great live song in certain spots but it's a tough one for them to play 
Yeah, even I, at, I agree. at this point, even at this point, like even the hardcore fans aren't going to react to it as it's not like I don't know, uh, name any deep cut off of Lost Dogs, uh, like Hold On or something like that, that just doesn't get played. Uh, you know, fans, if they did that, they would be like, oh, holy crap, like something, this is this is awesome. This is this never happens. I, for, for a song like Get Right, I don't think that it would get that same reaction. So I, I, it's just sort of either they'll bring it back and, and maybe and maybe do it once because they recognize that, that they haven't done it in a long time or we're just never going to hear it again. And unfortunately, I have a feeling it's probably going to be the latter. Uh, so, um, after, after Crop Duster, you kind of hear some kid, uh, every time I hear somebody, uh, talking, I think, I think, it, I think it's college kids. So I, I keep saying it's a, some frat boy saying, uh, this one, you fucking rock vetter. Uh, <laughs> this kid, by the way, this is the same kid that brings the Eddie for president sign to shows. Yeah. We, we were, we were right next to him in Boston. It's probably the same guy. <laughs> Uh, um, so this goes from Crop Duster and Elderly Woman. Uh, I thought this was an excellent version of, uh, of this. And sometimes I think we get a song that can sound a little too happy, a version that can sound a little too poppy. Uh, but I didn't feel like this was it. I, f- I feel like this was a little more emotional and dramatic. And although you hear the crowd singing along, uh, Ed's not pandering for them too, and that's kind of that's the uh, the difference between whether a version can feel emotional and whether a version can just be a normal sing along. Yeah, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is one of those rare times that we didn't get the countdown going in. Oh, I thought I thought we did. We, I thought it was just really we, subtle. We did. It was it was really sloppy though it was i think he got to two and mumbled the rest of the okay way, so well then that's what it you, was <laughs> you could be right it's like half it's you you got some but not all yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah pretty much exactly that uh did you have did you uh, have any other than it i mean it, it was a good placement as they were trying to pace through the the first part of the set the to me the the first 13 songs of this night are 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 the first part of sort of a, a good uh bookend of what happens through the night they not by any stretch of the imagination perfect throughout but it just a good pace the crowd was getting into it they were they had a good selection of songs that everybody was just completely fine and into and just well paced and well set up and and this worked in this spot um i'm at that this point in time i can say honestly that and i think i kind of um mentioned this when we talked about the ottawa show i wasn't a huge fan of some of these songs i kind of was like uh, i would like to get something else because i was a hunter at that point you know it's like give me the give me that something that i haven't gotten or can't get um but listening back to it you know it's get a little bit of a different uh a different appreciation um on how they tackled it and and how it fits into the night i think this was a good spot um for this one this was uh this was like release for me it took me a little while to get into it um un- unfortunately it didn't really hit me as much as release did going forward i thought it was i thought it was it was okay it was a little it was a little up and down for me though 
I didn't think it was bad, but it wasn't quite there, I guess I could say. I don't know. I think that this is definitely the part in the show. So, I mean, again, this is this is pretty pedestrian for them to go from elderly woman and strike an even flow. And even when you're listening to it and, and you're not looking at what the set list is, you can see that they're, they're kind of showing their hand as like, okay, the next song is going to, is going to kind of bring up the crowd a little bit after kind of, you know, a sullen version of elderly woman. And, and you were kind of able to tell that even flow was next. I don't know if it was that again, that sometimes they do that like feedbacky transition before they do even flow. But, um, you know, as far as doing it here, I think I think it was fine. I think it worked. Um, it was definitely a shorter version. I think under seven minutes if you look at the MB, MP3 on on iTunes. Uh, but um, you know, it's part of their. It's a huge part of their arsenal. Uh, common, but it's working. I think this whole set is is really gelling together really early on. Like you said, Patrick, first thirteen are working very well. Yeah, it was a, I, I felt like elderly right before they would drive into even flow was good. And, um, it allowed, it was the, the first moments of the night from Mike to really explode a little bit. Um, and it was tighter and, and it's hard to say that when you look at a song that's seven minutes tighter and shorter than uh, <laughs> than what we you know start to see as as the years go on at some points where this can get to eight and a half nine ten minutes at, at points of time um, but I think also you know stone one of the things that I really love about this tour was I felt like stone sort of, I don't want to say reinvented but you know he found some type of of uh, of reconnection with some of these earlier songs and how to uh, get emotive with them in a way that he hadn't on prior tours. And it's not to say that the playing in prior tours was not good or interesting. It's just, he did some different things. So his, the riffs that he was laying down underneath Mike solos are, are really interesting in even flow when you sit back and you listen to them and see what he's doing and just, subtle it's not huge it's just subtle stuff that he lays underneath i i felt like that later i want to say it might have been with alive but i felt like stones uh whatever stone was doing on that was really simple but it felt so much different and it felt like it was almost spacing it out uh i didn't notice it with even flow because i feel like you know you hear one it's really tough to decipher one uh, with that, within the other. And, uh, I didn't notice that with this, but that, that is an interesting point that I think I, I did realize later. The one, the one little, little thing was, uh, the ending was really abrupt. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Yeah. It just kind of cut off and it didn't really have that tail finish to it. Well, they, yeah. they would do that, um, at, especially, um, in, in this year in 2003, it wasn't there. It's not as elongated or, or ripped off. It would just be more of like, boom, and, and it just was something that they did most of the time that they were playing it. A little jarring when you first hear it, cause you're not expecting it, but, um, yeah, I didn't, I just didn't see it coming. Uh, but it's, I actually, I actually really like it. Just a, just a sting, just a sting at the end. Sure. And that, and that's it. 
I'm going to have to listen to it a couple more times. I'm going to have to hear it a couple more times to, to get my mind, to train my mind to, uh, to understand that it's not a mistake. From Evenflow, it goes into Grievance here, and I usually think that this is a really good spot for Grievance, but I almost think that it's overshadowed by the next few to come, and it kind of uh, it puts itself on an island a little bit and turns into a transitional song from Evenflow to I Am Mine, and then I Am Mine kind of has its own section that it's starting in the next few, for the next few songs. So... Um, but I mean, like I've argued in a million times that that drum beat in the beginning can follow pretty much every, anything and following even flow is just right on the money. Um, I had, I had fun during this version. Uh, again, just, it was more transitional to me. Yeah. I just, I grievance is a song that I'm always happy to hear. Um, I, one of my favorites of their more like sort of hard-hitting, faster-paced type of, of tracks, but it has uh, an interesting space to it. It was one of those ones that gladly hung over a little bit from um, from Binaural. It was pretty one much... the very few. Yeah, it was pretty much this one and in, in, in significance with a, with a frequency factor to them that, that, um, that stayed on. Um, at least in the in the couple of years after the, the record was out. Um, and I... I, I guess it, like my only issue with this this whole transition element is I am mine I like the song I've never figured out where it fits in the set <laughs> um, and I could argue that if you just went in from grievance into what becomes this sort of you know it's labeled as an improv but it seemed like a pretty structured improv into uh to what comes after that um maybe works a little bit better um because it's, i am mine is a great song i like the song it struggles to find a great spot in the set it, it sneaks up on you for sure it, i agree it's everyone knows my love for i am mine but uh it's i don't know i, th- I think it would do better actually as a later first set song but it's normally around here, either right before even flow, right after even flow. And is it the best payoff for the song? Not really. Uh, so I agree to that. Grievance, however, I do. Of course, I love the song. I I really love the placement here after even flow. I do think it works well because you're just riding this momentum. Uh, did not care for this for this version though at all. I thought Eddie's vocals were really rough. This is where I really heard him holding back and. Now that you say if he was nursing a cold, it that it makes total sense. That is actually what it sounded like. And I, I, like I said, I chalked it up to maybe him being just a little tired. You know, it was a long week. And uh, there are some points in the song where it goes really up into a higher register. And he normally does really well on it, uh, but not on this one. But if he had a cold, that's uh, it's excusable. And, and that's, that's what it sounds like. So, See, I actually kind of thought... This, the same thing you thought with Grievance, I kind of thought with I Am Mine, I thought that just it was just overall kind of choppy, uh, that he wasn't staying at the same level the whole time. You're right. Yeah, I Am Mine was a little choppy, definitely. Uh, it starts off a really good section, and I, you know... I kind of I like it in the spot that it is, uh, but I can see an argument for it being, you know, more of where 
the nothing man spot is in this mm-hmm. set. Uh, that if you flip flop them, that it would still work really well. Uh, but I, I think it's just a matter of just after a while, just being used to it and, you know, not having a problem with it because it's just kind of commonplace. So I, I really, you know, I haven't, I haven't thought about it that much, but it's not a song that they don't bring it back for an encore. They usually don't do it way too early. They don't do it way too late. So it, it's really, I, I, I guess if they're going to do it, they just have to find a night where this spot is open and they haven't made that decision to put, put a song in this spot. I think you're dead on with nothing, man, because actually flip-flopping I in mind with nothing, man, in in this set would have done well because nothing, man, in, there, its placement here is actually what really confused me. See, so, I, I actually, I, I love nothing, man's spot here. I actually well, I thought it was, what, I, I really loved it, actually. I, I'll, I, I will take it anywhere. I don't care. Just put nothing, man, in the set. But uh, it was a little jarring to me here. Uh, it's not a jarring song. Just I wasn't expecting it at all. But uh, we'll get to that. Uh, that's coming up soon. Actually, I already, I won't have to touch on it again because I just did. But it's coming up. <laughs> Are we ours, folks? Are we good with oh, yeah. uh, with oh, mine? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, then good because I think we have conversation coming up here. Uh, so this vibe that we get is... Uh, it's this improv and you know, I didn't really write down what lyrics Eddie was saying, but he's kind of like, it was kind of like teachers be teaching or something like that. Uh, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. Is it like unthought known ish? I, I couldn't, I don't have them written in front of me. Cause I, I at first figured that we would play it. And then I realized it was a three minute song and I said, no, we're not going to play that whole thing. So we'll, We'll play it and we'll kind of play it in the middle to endish, and then see how it transitioned in, into the next song. Actually, we should just do that now. So uh, let's listen to that and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the whole piece and package put together. There's a better to leave your troubles behind. And don't you let yourself leave. Your life is a lie. This is almost like an elongated version of how they sometimes do that, like kind of tease into rearview mirror that yep. yep. it kind of has that vibe to it. So I wonder if you being in the crowd, was that your immediate reaction that, okay, this is, this is teeing up rearview mirror or were you just kind of enjoying it or slash confused that, uh, as to where they were going with it, uh, I would go with enjoying it because usually, and I and it did not go know that it was going to go into uh, rearview mirror. Um, I think in hindsight, hearing the the build and the strum and the, the direction, it you know it it 
very I don't want to say obviously, but it's it's built into that uh, that song structure. Um, but this is one of those few times where they do an improv where it it has a, a sort of poignancy of where it's going. Sometimes they'll do it, and I think uh, maybe you guys might disagree, but later on in this night they'll have a moment. Actually, not not much later, but uh, but in a, a few moments later they had to, to sort of improv, and it was kind of on the fly for various reasons. But this one was semi-structured in where it was going and i don't even care about whatever ed was like mumbling vocally it was more like the 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 actual structure of what the musicians were doing from a instrument standpoint was designed to get them into rear view exactly uh randy and i had talked about this we we had we've heard this before uh this same riff it's been done the only thing is it was not as structured and it was much shorter. So this one had at least some kind of vision and direction behind it. But I don't know. I got big problems with this whole area. Um, I and mine would not have gone into rearview mirror. So they used this improv here to transition it. And I will say the transition from the improv to rearview mirror, as we heard, is very good. But I don't like the improv. I don't like the riff. I don't like the riff when we heard it before. Um, even if it is more structured and more of a song, it's it's used as a transition because I Am Mine doesn't really work in a rearview mirror. I don't like rearview mirror in this spot either. Uh, this whole, yeah, this whole section, um, it works, in my opinion, by total accident. And I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy about it. I, uh, I have to kind of agree with Patrick here. Uh, I, you know, when we had improv points uh in the show i've i've just kind of said that they were sort of a waste of time uh they never lead to anything they're usually not you know songs that they're recording the next day so it's you know it's just sort of forgotten about it but i feel like this is a little more memorable um i feel like the i can i can remember the beat i can remember the pace and sort of that kind of um metronome style that that matt is playing with there yeah, that like really that. and the, the guitar does it too i find it i find it really irritating i i it gets under my skin see i i i wrote the i did write the word it kind of left me at my seat and anxiously wondering how the song transitions into something familiar uh but i it just i think everything really worked out especially because you know if you're doing an improv at this point and you're thinking about what where is this taking us to? Where is this leading to? And then you go into Rearview Mirror, which is never a song that you're going to hear mid-set. Um, I think it all comes together quite nicely, and and it makes for a really good moment. Um, it's it's a treat. This is a closer song, uh, wherever yeah. it is. I, but that... That intro, that that uh, transition in a rearview mirror, that was not improv. That was absolutely planned. It worked out too well. It was, it was planned. Yes, it was planned. No but way that was. Yeah. So when you're saying improv, it means more of, I, I guess, it's just well, a way it's, of it's, saying it's, we don't know what this what this is. Uh, it's here, but it's not it's, a recorded song. It's not named, basically. Yeah. Right. Uh, but as far as it working as a whole, yeah, it does. But I don't like it. I think it's. I think it's. I think they got lucky, honestly, and and I, I don't know, it's it's not for me. I hear you, 
but I'm happy they got lucky because it was fun. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, 100% you, you, agree. You, you, you're, you're always glad that it works out, but it's, it's tough. Yeah, well, I mean, this isn't like if you're looking at it, especially in the last, um, you know, 10 ish years of them, them touring, having Rearview Mirror be the 13th song in a night that was going to end up being 36 songs. Um, and, and no one knew that where this was going at this point. And yet at the same time, there is an element of, well, they just played Rearview Mirror, which is one of their expansive jams that this particular year was also beginning to get really, really interesting because again, I'll keep harping on, you know, my, my stone riff here, but he, he just started blowing things out with his mm-hmm. performances. And, uh, so to have this here, it was like, what's next? Where are you going? <laughs> Where are you well, going from here? Because it, yeah, it's actually crazier because I, I think rearview mirror is 11, not 13. So it's even, yeah, earlier. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think you're right. Correct. Like, yep. That. 11, uh, 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 11 this this could have even been a an even flow spot and but you're getting rearview mirror already even flow's done you're you're really it's almost like of, a mid first set closer yep yeah you're you're really thinking now are they going to do 22 songs and call it a night or are we getting for for a marathon here but that's why i really liked nothing man following this because this isn't just a normal version of rearview mirror like lest we forget that uh this bridge here is just it goes on forever i think it starts at the four minute mark and i think the song was i don't have uh i don't have my itunes up but i think this is almost a 10 minute track if i'm not mistaken there are a lot of songs in the show that have that are eight minutes or more which is kind of amazing when you think about you know they did 36 in three hours and 37 minutes. Uh, it's kind of amazing that they were able to get all of that in. Yes, it, it kind of doesn't count when Lucan and, and a short improv <laughs> is part of it, but... Rivy Mirror is is uh, around uh, nine and a half minutes. Nine, nine, I have it at 9.20, but that might be with some crowd at the end, so... In between nine and nine minutes and nine, nine minutes, 20 seconds. I mean, yeah, there wasn't much talking in the first set, so it's a nine minute version of rear view mirror. Uh, I think you have to, was it John? I can't remember if it was John or you, Patrick, that uh, when we talked about the bridges, um, talked about how some of these bridges really echo a Beatles style. And this one was just, that was, that was that wheelhouse right there that sounded like Abbey road. uh, Let it be style to me. Yeah. I'm going to, give credit where credit's due you you talked about that with john but i when you guys were talking about that i was like oh yeah these different styles occurred to me either yeah the different the different styles of that are a hundred percent true and and really interesting and again so much of this to me again gonna beat a dead horse with it so much of it began with this tour and stone and i and i i cannot get enough of this song from 2003 on this is one of those ones where it hasn't got boring to me um and not that you know other songs get boring but what they do with this one intrigues me because there's a lot more uh there's just a lot more soundscape that they they take this to and there's a little bit more of uh you'd never know um 
every time that they play it. And this version just, I, I feel like, for most versions of Rear View Mirror, I'm drenched in sweat afterwards, but this one is got to be, you know, it's almost like you've gotten gallons and gallons of water poured, just poured directly on you, and it's like, okay, now last for three more hours. Um, and that's why I really, I really love Nothing Man right here, because I, I you needed something to be complimented with. Uh, and, um, and sort of something warm and fuzzy, even though the lyrics don't, you know, really navigate it that way. But like this version of Nothing Man felt so soft and delicate and sweet that it, it brings you back up without like giving you filler, without giving you like a, uh, I don't know, maybe at the time, uh, thumbing my way or something like that here that was that would be slower and more positive would be considered more of a filler but this is really this is a firefly song the cigarette lighters are out and um you know i, I just i just feel a really really good emotional warmth vibe to it i can only say that i know that the next two songs were needed from a pacing standpoint because it rearview mirror hearing that that early and that intense was um it was sort of incomprehensible uh, to a certain degree at that time you didn't get a even when when even flow had started to get its um its spot in this area and it would normally fit in that somewhere along that seven eight nine ten track um more or less in the um 2000 2003 tour you still didn't rear view was one that was late set you know you didn't get it it was one of two things it was late set or occasionally they would throw it in really early um in the set just to to throw a curveball and to have that you needed something that was going to set a little bit more of a pace after it and nothing man was that at the for the for the fit there i i felt like and i don't know if it was my feeling now listening back to it i felt like it almost needed it because ed was just a little bit gassed from singing and playing in rearview mirror that he needed to be doing something that was slower paced because even in nothing man his he seemed like very mellow in it and just like almost as if he needed a break that's exactly how I, I thought of it as well. I, this is like, instead of a, a set one, this is more of like a show of a bunch of micro sets. It's, they are breaking it up in a lot of different spots, and I think having Rearview Mirror so early is a perfect example of that. But uh, yeah, uh, I didn't get the warm and fuzzy feeling from Nothing Man. I, I thought it was a great performance, don't get me wrong, and I loved the song, and there was there was nothing wrong with it on that end. But um, yeah, I have to I have to agree with Patrick. I thought it was more of a of a breather song, and I think I've connected to other versions a lot more than I have with this one. Not saying it was bad; it was not bad. But uh, I yeah, I I've I've gotten warm and fuzzy uh, from from other versions over this one. There were, there's also a little thing that I think the band figured out, um, particularly this tour was. Um, the elements when even when they pre-constructed a set or when they had to call call a little bit of an audible this not being an audible this was very very pre-constructed there was no changes to this main right. set at all um, I think they knew and were able to 
probably converse about it ahead of time, like when Ed was going to say, hey, I'm going to be there, but I need you guys to amp it up. The thing that's interesting about Nothing Man is, and it's hard to disentangle, you know, all bits and pieces, especially when you have such a big vocal presence as a band, but you can hear a little bit of an elevation from the rest of the guys on the song, even though Ed draws back. And that happens quite a bit on this particular tour. Um, there's moments where, or nights even, where Ed might not be like 100% and you can hear the rest of the band dial it up a notch and kind of try to take it to a different level to help lift the show. And um, from that point, it, it gets into Daughter uh, here. Uh, and again, it's kind of following two pretty light songs after something that's pretty heavy. I, I still feel like you need Daughter, like you said before, to kind of come down off of this cloud. Um, and, and I'm okay with this. Uh, but it, it is a pretty long tag. This is Daughter is almost the full thing with tags is almost as long as River Mirror was. So really in about what, almost 20 minutes of time, uh, maybe 25 minutes of time, you're getting three songs. It's kind of crazy to think about it. Um, and, and in t- almost 25 minutes of time, you're hearing us talk about almost three songs. So, uh, it works out quite nicely. Um, so here, this post jam that's, that's going on here. Uh, they're doing, uh, you know how they usually do. Hey, ho, let's go. Uh, where, they're just kind of pandering in the crowd going back and forth with them, but it's not actually in the same way uh, that they, that they, you would sing Blitzkrieg Bob. Uh, they do that with Highway to Hell here, and it's not saying like ACDC's version, but everybody's kind of going back and forth. We're on a highway to hell. Um, but it doesn't progress like the actual song does. Uh, so would you consider it a tag, or would you consider it a snippet? This was a series of snippets um, okay. to, to keep everybody to move in. And it was also, uh, I, 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 again, this is one of those ones where as an experience being in there and being in the arena, um, it was almost even a bit louder. Well, I shouldn't even say a bit. It was a lot louder than you can hear it on the bootleg, um, even though it comes through at, at points in time. That whole end section was really about, I, I have to imagine it was like trying to allow Ed to be able to be set for the next series of songs that were going to come in, which, you know, I don't know if that helped or not, to be honest. But this is, to me, this was the end of the, the first segment of the show that had a really great uh, sort of setup and structure to it. And the, the crowd was completely into it and ready for where things were going to go and things were flowing very well and uh and daughter at this point and how they tagged it out um people were were following it along and there was a lot of crowd response going on and he was trying to build up that crowd response um and it's still early in the show um and as i was wrong before because this is number 13 (laughs) <laughs> and there's still 23 more to go. We'll try to hit them. We'll hit them all. I promise. Well, I'll, I'll make mine quick. It was, yeah, it was too long. I, I really don't know how I feel about this. I, I didn't love it. 
that's really all I had to say about it. I actually, I off of that, I actually think this is one of the better tags I've, I've, uh, I've heard in a while, just because um, it had the crowd participation. It was, you know, it that felt was, like full yeah. arena. You know, um, absolutely, that that was good. I, I just think it went on way too long. It went on for a long time. I mean, we, you know, less we mentioned. Uh, uh, Highway to Hell, but now they're doing Hell No, We Won't Go, and that's kind of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge for what would happen later in the, or what would happen the entire evening, uh, but then they're doing another brick in the wall, and I just, maybe it just didn't need another brick in the wall, because they're adding lyrics, uh, you know, politi- politicians leave the kids alone, kids don't leave the politicians alone, it is, it is it is going on a little too long, but you know what, from a standpoint just listening to it I, I i'm having fun at least yeah i think that that one of the things with that is that they were there's a lot of response to the crowd tonight um and they were willing to let it hang out and do some things and ultimately a lot of this is is outcome from not just the week but the tour that was going on. I mean, they were trying as, and it'll come up in conversation later in the set. Um, they were, they were very, very dialed into talking about what was going on in the world at that time. And, mm-hmm. um, and so a little bit of, uh, the, the, the call and response and maybe I, I, I could definitely get with the idea of maybe jam it out and, and phase off, uh, before another brick in the wall, but I think that was all just tied into the fact that after they did the highway to hell thing, it was people were into it, and he's like, "Okay, let's just keep going." Because you can kind of hear with the band normally, if they're if they're really locked into an outro to daughter, they're you know they're tightly locked in, and what happened there was much more of a, a scenario where. It was almost an audible of "Hey, this is this is going well. I'm I'm dropping another I'm dropping another tag and snippet into this." And then right. the band there were breaths up. between yep. each tag and snippet. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, and that kind of uh, it brings us to a section that is a little bit more heavy hitting here. Uh, it's going to start off with Lucan and go right into whipping, and this is a brings a new element for the for the set before. You can say it's kind of either poppy, straight up rock and roll, or even just the the intro itself. Again, just uh, typical uh, straight up Pearl Jam. But this right here, I feel like the next three songs really fit in together really nicely. Um, and you know what? This is a really good Lucan, to be honest with you, because we don't get a lot of uh lyric slurring uh we... i thought this was a terrific lucan actually <laughs> we're all on the more... same page fantastic it's so, but it, but it's so strange when you hear lucan and you're like that was really good because normally if even if it's bad you don't really care right because it's, it's, it's just not... it's 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 a minute and they're not gonna yeah. it's it's but what when, it transitions but, into right but that's what that's what's funny about it because when it's good you kind of realize how shitty it could be and then when it's yeah. good it's like that was that was nice. That was clean. It was tight. And that's what this was. They weren't trying to to race itself. Usually when they do it, and especially now, when Eddie just aborts the lyrics just to see if they can finish it in 30 seconds, that's, mm-hmm. that's not fair to the fans that 
you know, and especially the ones that actually like to sing along with the song. Um, but it really, live-wise, it's just serving as what are you going into next? Because it's never going to be used as an open. It's never going to be used as a close. It's just kind of a way to start off a new section like it does here. And that's what it does into whipping. And I really feel, aside from this needing a more immediate segue, uh, this really worked for me. Um, so many different personalities within this set, and this is really the the punk rock section. And uh, it's it's just got a such a unique feel to it already. How many songs are we in? Uh, more than 13 songs? Uh, yeah, we're, fi- fi- we're 15 now. Whipping will be 15, yeah. Okay, so we're, we're not halfway through the set yet. Just, just keep that in mind, folks. Um, anything else on, on Lucan or Whipping here? I feel just, you know, these are very good versions of both songs. I only, like, Whipping had a little bit of a rough start to it, but then they quickly got back into pace. The one thing that I, I enjoyed about it was love Jeff's bass line throughout it. I mean, he just mm. was able to, he, he rescued that song and got everybody back, um, quickly into where it needed to go. And that brings us into MFC to follow up on Whipping and Luke in here. Um, Mike is noodling a little bit to tip off that he's about to do MFC. And while this is not necessarily a perfect version of this song, um, it has a little trouble with it in, in places. What I have to say about it, though, it just... I, every version that we've heard so far, I feel like there had been something missing. What's different from... The album version that I absolutely adore, I love it, I, I can't get enough of it too when they do it live. And I feel like, how do you make the song feel atmospheric? How do you make it feel like it's filling the arena? But it must be Stone Stone and Mike's working, working off of each other here because um, something about it... It brought a fullness to it, and it didn't just feel like it was dun 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 dun. It it felt like everybody was in on it, and I sort of say about this song that if you're on the road, you're listening to this. It's a perfect car song, obviously, but if you're listening to this in the car, you're almost you almost feel like everybody on the road is listening to it with you because it's so full, and. I feel like they nailed that aspect of it, even though it really wasn't the most perfect version of this song that you can hear live. Yeah, it's the the thing that I in, enjoyed about this particular version was it was Mike and Stone were tight, fiery, and and drove through it and didn't allow it to uh, meander too much. Um, and uh, you know, it, I, I think actually surprisingly fit well in this spot. This is another one where I've always struggled with. I love this song on the album. Um, it, I don't have like any problem with it. I'm never like, oh, this is a, a forgetful song. But it, my big thing with it was always like, where does this fit in the set? Where does it fit? And when you can get it into this type of tissue where you got a good Lucan and uh, you know a fairly good whipping and, and get into this, it, it keeps a nice pace. Um, and I, I just feel like, again, it goes back to the, the two guitar players, really the, the primary guitar players driving, um, driving the tempo of it. Yeah. I loved this version and, uh, I thought the guitars were super tight together, but I don't think that they were 
trying to keep things rigid and perfect. I actually thought that a lot of it was pretty casual and loose, and I think that helped. I, I liked the more, I don't want to say <laughs> driving uh, sound to this version because that's uh, a bad joke, but <laughs> it's got it's got like a, I don't know, this one had a different flow, and I think it was because the guitars were super tight playing off of each other, and everything else just had a good, a good smooth vibe instead of it being like this rigid version of the song where it's like, let's play the song, let's nail it, let's get it to sound good. They were, they were, they, instead, they just said, let's play the song, period. And that's what they did. And I think I think it worked here because I, I loved this version. And we have to make mention, obviously, uh, sorry to cut you off, but we obviously have to make, make mention of uh, no gnawing in the first chorus. But gnawing in the second chorus. Again. So, so, remember, so last week in the first chorus, he did the nah, and then stopped. And I'm like, oh, he's not going to do it. If you guys listened to the to the episode last week, that's what we had. And then nothing in the first chorus. Nothing time. in I the said, first. I was so I said, surprised. Oh, I'm like, my gosh. Are we going to get away is, with it? I almost yeah, I thought said, we were going to get away with it. But, I said, uh, we were so close last week. And that's it. This is it. It, it, it took one more week. And now we're and now we're going to get and then. And then it hit right as I'm saying that thought to myself, and I started to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing to myself. We have turned this into sort of an an ongoing uh, inside joke for for this podcast. So um, I feel like at, at some point we just have to play the na 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 na's every time we hear it. I think it's just going to have to turn into that, so people so, a so know what we're time. talking about and b. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they're in on the joke too. So, all right, uh, Jeremy, we're kind of sort of getting into, uh, the little last parts of the first set here. Uh, Jeremy is next. Um, this is a rather underwhelming version to me of Jeremy, even though, uh, they go no lyrics in that first chorus, which I actually really like because it feels like it gives the song less repetition. Um, mm -hmm. so when, so when the, that chorus hits with, with the lyrics, you're, it doesn't, feel like you've already sang it a hundred times because by the time you're done with the song you have sang it a hundred times and it keeps going and going and going and speaking on that the reason why i felt it was a little underwhelming it just again uh we talked about this before eddie just sounds bored he skips a few lines here or there he's 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 letting the crowd handle it and um it just it wasn't anything from like how his voice was sounding it was just how it just sounded like he didn't want to do it. And this song was just here to get from one point to the next. Cause it worked and maybe they hadn't played Jeremy in the last couple nights, something like that. Uh, I actually have, uh, it had been two nights since they had played it. So not, you know, a terrible amount, but yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I, the, the best thing I can say about this is, the pace is nice, but it's in the wrong spot because you're coming right out of this hard driving with with Lucan and then whipping and then MFC and then coming into a paced Jeremy. Wrong spot. It just didn't. I mean, the crowd was definitely into it. Don't get me wrong. I th this is just my own preference. I'm not a big. I love this song when I was first into the band, but I can do without it. It's just, it, it, it's not something that I, like, 
doesn't matter whether it's 2003 or 2019 or 2010 or or 1998 it it's not a song that i need uh in the set and it's got to be pretty impassioned for me to be hyped up about it and this wasn't one of those versions that makes you go oh Whereas last time we spoke in Ottawa, I you know it's again it's a song that I can pass by, but the fans were totally carrying it and getting the band hyped and creating the elevation. There was passion from the the crowd in this, but to your point, Randy, there's not much passion from the lead vocalists. He's kind of just mail not I don't want to say mailing it in, but he's doing what he can to get to the next song. Uh, well, I'll say it. He kind of phoned it in in a couple places, but I, I didn't really have any notes for it. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, you know, I do like it. I do like it when it pops up. Uh, I have, I have come to really enjoy it, which, uh, I never thought I, I would, but this one was, this one was just here filling a spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this show has actually made me appreciate the song more just listening to different versions and how they can be uh, excitable and, and they can be passionate because I feel like a lot of times, I, I agree with you, a lot of times that I've seen it, I haven't been passionate about it and the people around me are passionate about it, but the band is just kind of, it's just kind of there. Uh, you know, they got to do it every now and again because it's a single and it and because it fits, but I mean, they did this when we went to those Madison Square Garden shows. Uh, they did this back-to-back nights. This isn't a back-to-back night Madison Square Garden type song. And, and that really bothered me that I got that two in a row when I didn't hear other songs that I wanted to hear from the only two shows that I went to on that tour. So that was, you know, there's frustration in that. But uh, again, it's just... I feel like we've listened to really good versions of it, and this one uh, definitely missed the mark for me. Yeah, um, they have plenty of songs that fit into a Madison Square Garden show that they they don't have to double up on this one. No, no, not at all. If you want to double up on Better Man and Corduroy, cool, that's fine. But Jeremy, it's just it's just not needed. Um, nope. So we go into the next one, and it's just kind of a lot of noodling and noise before, and it's really, it's it's improv again. Um, it's a little Wild West sounding. I'm thinking, first thing that comes to my mind, a little Skinner, a little Bob Seger. Uh, you know, I'm not into the improvs. I thought this one sounded okay. Uh you know, I needed this. I thought it sounded good at first, and then I listened to it a second time. I'm just like, ah, you know what? It just kind of it doesn't fit this late in the set, especially because they already did an encore. It it feels it feels a little overplayed. I don't know. Uh, just like, okay, why are you doing something like this again? Um, so really, when we talk about 36 songs in the show. It's really 34 because the two encores count as the 36. Uh, two encores, two improvs count as uh, the 36. Yeah. So it's a little... I think we got to play for them because it's just... It's there. Why don't we transition in into blood and then we'll start kind of talking about both. How about we do that? Sure. Sure. So improv into blood and that's how that first set is going to end. Give away my love. 
with uh this improv again wild west sounding um not really something the band does in this style very often the best that i can think of was one version of thin air that we heard that kind of sounded a little twangy but uh besides that this is all stone driving this by the way uh you had you had kind of teased it before patrick why what was going on why did they have to do an improv here. Mike was having guitar troubles. Um, oh, and okay. unfortunately that, that, that problem had been carrying on. I, I think since like midway through Jeremy, it lasted through the improv and it kind of unfortunately, I think derailed a little bit of the momentum into the, the set closer. Um, all right. Cause I didn't like this. This was, uh, I don't know. I don't like improvs. Uh, you know, there there are bands that could pull them off. There are bands that can't. And this seems like it was pretty off the cuff. And now that you've explained it, it, it kind of makes sense. Uh, so, but you know what's I'm... funny? You know what's really funny, though? is Wouldn't this be the prime opportunity for Eddie to just ramble and rant? Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's his, yes. That's his favorite he, thing in the world. Well, he hadn't brought that quite into his repertoire yet. But I guess. But, but, well, know, this show he has, he, he does it a lot more in the show mm. than, than he, he has in prior years. Well, this could, might be the, like, night, the, the, the night gets long. And there yeah. was, and despite what he says, a lot of wine. he probably had a lot of wine before the, the, <laughs> the bottle was empty. Uh, so. so I... I just maybe it was a, a practical thing. I don't, I don't know if you remember, but could they have used this improv for Mike to test his his guitar? Oh, could, could... absolutely. He was he was okay. trying to figure out what was going on. He was noodling to the side. Okay. And, and, uh... Well, I guess that yeah, that makes sense. So you can't you know if Eddie's talking, you can't. It's not like a a guitar switch or or a tuning problem. If you're having something else, then you need to be able to. I guess play without it being uh, an obvious problem. Yeah, because they weren't wireless at this point. This was still when yeah. they were all uh, they were all completely plugged in, and there was no you know, wireless communication between them. That was 
again, back to 2005 was the, I believe the first time they went into that direction. So, you know, you could, you could dive out in those instances and do what you needed to do. But at this point you were, you were hanging or you were, you were, you were hoping that your tech was going to be able to figure it out for you. So, mm-hmm. and you know what? I, I've said all this, I wrote all these bad, bad things about blood and this version of blood. And I kind of feel, I feel a little bad now because you really, you need Mike for, for blood to work. And I just, the whole time was just like, this is not working a off this transition it just doesn't make any sense the two songs don't aren't the same style at all so why it don't i mean now it makes perfect sense that that they wouldn't do something like this uh in a normal set uh to go into blood uh but i don't know i was thinking more if they had planned that that doing do the evolution uh out of that and closing the set would have worked a little better um but yeah I mean, not it wasn't really just Mike, uh, just the guitars and just everything feeling incredibly sloppy. It was Ed too. His voice is breaking in parts here, uh, and it was almost a pretty flawless first set until you hit this spot. Yeah, I mean, I think again, they, they I think the whole band maybe lost a, a, a step there, but I, I to me, it was strong right up until um just like in a weird way because i loved lucan but it was strong right up until daughter and i loved lucan but then like the little bit of the rough start with whipping and then i loved mfc but then the lull with jeremy and then the improv and blood it just it, it 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 could have been a better end to what could have been a really transcendent first set which was a very good first set yeah i agree this kind of went from a to b pretty quickly Uh, my only problem with blood was that i i i mean i i just thought it was slow my first impression was why the fuck would you do this improv here and then set yourself up for this really boring blood why would you ever do that now i'm seeing that it was probably just unavoidable because they needed to fill a gap there while something technical was being worked out and that's not really anybody's fault and it could have killed some momentum so um it totally killed momentum it totally yeah so you know i i I actually i have to give uh uh, blood not being that great i got to give it a pass it's really no one's fault yeah, I, again, that, that was the one thing that I thought was really egregious about this set, that I, especially later when there are songs that really do um, have some bad flubs, um, I, I'm almost kind of forgiving of those uh, for reasons that we'll get into, but for Blood, I'm like, there's no excuse for it. Turns out, yes, there is an excuse for it, so I... I will kind of retract back off a little bit from it and just kind of say it was just sort of uh, a false finish there and uh, unfortunate that it had to happen that way, but obviously unintentional. Um, And that brings us to encore number one of three. For the Amish. For the Amish, yes. Uh, Ed did not talk a lot in the first set like we were kind of just saying, and uh, he says a couple of words here, an acoustic bit for the Amish. Um... Now, if you look at the set list for this, and Patrick, you were able to find all of them. I only found the main set, 
written on paper. Uh, but the first encore has the first two songs. It says acoustic set. So it's Eddie probably knows what he wants to do in his head, but either just isn't writing it on paper or is it, it's kind of spur of the moment. Like, okay, I'll, I'll figure this out. I kind of know what I want to do, but we'll really get to it while I'm out there. But, um, everything else is at least planned and we'll kind of that that'll tee up sort of what we can talk about in encore two uh but encore one starts here it's a it's it's a lot of it's a lot of john lennon to start off uh this this encore uh you gotta hide your love away kicks it off and there's a little fuck up in the middle of the second verse and a little yeah, it was it was a little. I'll, I'll 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 be nice. And it didn't and it didn't end there either. No, it didn't. Um, I bet I bet the we, harmonica from last week that you were complaining about. Uh, <laughs> you, I bet you would take that right now, right? I um, ugh, I just throw the harmonica out. Just like have have Stone come out with a kazoo or something. I don't know. Uh, no, Which would be fantastic, of course. I, yeah, I mean, and and fitting. Can't you see Stone writing music with a kazoo? That would be great. Uh, yeah. And the Amish would probably love it too. They don't absolutely. have to plug it into anything. So, um, but I, I just, I don't know. This one, this like first little part where he just kind of fucks up and he's like, ah, no, no, no. And he kind of goes back into the lyrics. It doesn't, and he fucks up the lyrics. He doesn't fuck up the music. And that, mm-hmm. that, kind of uh that sticks a little bit but however it was timing he didn't spend a lot of time just being like ah i really fucked up it felt like he almost went back into it as the same pace and it wasn't like this long elongated pause it was it sucked but you know it could have been a lot worse no he got back into it much quicker and much cleaner than his um his his harmonica blow that yeah <laughs> that, that went to the pits i mean this I, I love this song and i i can't even off the top of my head how many times i happened to catch it when uh they were playing on this tour and then they even brought it back in a couple of times in 05 but i don't think i saw it on that one and then 06 the one time that i was uh at one of those shows played it and um it's definitely a good vibe when he's able to get it nice and clean because it's a it's a good song for him, a good register for him. But he does happen to, uh, if it's, it's rarely the lyrics that he botches. It's most often because he's playing guitar and harmonica at the same time that he'll miss a little that bit there. That was last week's problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is generally what happens. But I'll forgive him because I really felt like uh, his solo version of uh, Give Me Some Truth was pretty good. Uh, yeah, actually, I really agree with that. Uh, I just wrote uh, on my notes, I wrote abort for Hydra Love Away. I, <laughs> I thought there should have been a moment where you just you just dial it back. I, but, you know, talking about it, um, I, I do think there was something, as we say sometimes, charming about his little vocal mess up because it wasn't this long, drawn out thing where he tells everybody that he's sick for the entire show. Mm, yep. He just went right back into it and it was it was fine. And I'm sure that creates a little bit of a moment. And it was it was more funny than it was like this tragic yeah. mistake, because 
Yeah. I, listen, he is even, able to laugh it off. Yeah, and and if I could laugh it off, that's that says something. Um, but you know what? <laughs> you know what I was getting from this one. I'll, I'll make my point in a second. Uh, I, I just, Patrick, you brought up. Um, give me some truth. I I thought the mix was was not great, and I thought his guitar playing was ass on this. I it, I thought his guitar sounded like this like Toys R Us beginner guitar. It, it, that's a mix problem. That's just personal. I didn't like how it sounded, but I thought his vocals were tremendous on this song. I I thought that was very good, but the whole thing as a whole, especially with like Hydra Loveaways, um, especially with Hydra Loveaway, I was getting this. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Role Models, where they say there's always a guy at a at a campout that has an acoustic guitar, but he he only knows how to kind of play it a little bit, and that's what I was <laughs> getting from Hydra Loveaway. Like he screws up, and he's like, wait, hold on, hold on. Wait a second. Hold on. There's always a guy with acoustic guitar that doesn't quite know how to play it. Kumbaya. Wait. I know it. Kumbaya. You know. Kumbaya. Wait. I know it. Kumbaya, my lord. Oh no. Wait. Oh yeah, I got it. Kumbaya. This is it. Kumbaya. I don't know. That's just how I. 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 That's how I feel with Eddie. Sometimes it's. Uh, it's like a hobby when he does the the solo stuff it's not my it's not really my cup of tea at the, at this point in time yeah it it is definitely coming off more of a hobby um now it, it all depends on how much he's had to drink um if he's uh if he's had a couple of bottles before the first encore or even oh god forget about his solo shows that that one solo show the 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 innings fest there was one song I can't even remember, but he basically, I don't know why he didn't fully abort it, but midway through, he was just decided, okay, I'm just going to talk to the fans and talk about why I'm fucking up. And, and it just, it was charming in a way that like, maybe if he didn't talk about it for another two minutes, it would have been okay. But yeah, uh, so I mean, I got this, I got this like theory, not really a theory, but just, just a, a feeling there was nothing perfect about either one. It was, you know, the guitar playing was pretty good in, in, in the Beatles and the vocals, he messed up the vocals when he wasn't messing up, they were just okay. The harmonica was terrible. And then you get to the next one, you get to give me some truth and, and the vocals are pretty good, but the guitar playing is, is really shitty. And it's just my personal preference is when you bring out the whole band and they're sitting down, and they're acoustic, and it's like this campfire. It's usually pretty awesome. When they when they ease into Eddie doing like a follow up with maybe one or two solo songs after they've done this whole band campfire, he usually does way way better, and it's usually quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he goes out there and he's kind of off the cuff and he's alone and he he wants to create this moment, he just. <laughs> I don't know. Something always happened, and it could be sometimes a waste of time. And I was not getting this moment from him here. It was, it was just like filler. And maybe if they came out and did a group acoustic song, and then had him do these two, these two might have been really, really good. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's a lot of uh, instances where they've done give me some truth and it's just been him uh so i was actually i was pretty impressed by it actually i I thought i thought i thought it sounded really good i didn't have any problems with it to the point where 
if it wasn't a 36 song show i i could think about playing it but we're not we have other th- things to 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 tackle and cover here um but if there's nothing else on on either of those um just the banter throughout this everybody is is uh is supporting his efforts through you've got to hide your love away and then Ed just kind of yeah 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 he kind of does one of those um and says this is the type of noise that ralph nader uh he told ralph nader that young people can make and he talks about elections talks about how the last one was based off just a few votes telling people you know you can make a difference and and vote in the elections and politicians do things for old people because old people will show up that they vote um and that kind of that goes into give me some truth that that's you know basically a, a whole song about blaming politicians um Really, I got I got nothing else on this little section here. I think we can kind of, if uh, permitted here, uh, we can go into the rest of the encore spots if that's okay. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll say is he was giving the band a break. <laughs> he was he was completely with with six six nights out of seven playing. He was legitimately saying, "Go have another beer," or use the bathroom i'm gonna i'm gonna take this for a couple because this didn't normally happen back then maybe he would come out and do one um but rarely would do two yeah and honestly he was probably the one that needed the break anyway so you know um just funny how how that works out uh but we get into this kind of meat and potatoes part of the first encore section says the next one is an older one that we haven't played for a while this is for a young lady who's come to shows with a sign we've never seen people come to shows with the sign asking for this song before no this has never happened um and he said he's that they smiled and waved condescendingly at her but tonight we're gonna actually play the song for her um and it's breath yeah nobody's ever 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 gone to a show brought a sign and requested breath that's never happened ever i've never heard of that no in in slight fairness it was that she'd gone to like i think the last 12 shows i don't know that it was never it was just that she happened to be there for the last like dozen asking for it that's a lot every single show she was asking for it it seemed like it i mean you know wow yeah so that do you know her i have no idea who it was but (laughs) okay it sounded like you kind of had some inside information on that no 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 he he had he had just like listening back to it it was this thing oh she's been here for the last I, i can't remember exactly how many shows he said i think it was a dozen and uh they were nodding condescendingly to her and now they're gonna play it so and um mid-second verse here ed fucks up a couple of lyrics and (laughs) the crowd sings them and he responds yep porch the porch yeah 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 yeah." (laughs) yep uh so i mean this isn't not this is not a perfect set by any stretch of the imagination this is not what makes this night is not you know uh poor management by ed or just for forgetfulness by ed and and maybe some lack of tightness from the rest of the band on some things but um you know i i really this does nothing to of a disservice for this version um i guess he gets 
sort of a pass for you've got got to hide your love away because it just it didn't take you out of the song um but at least in this one he was just kind of he acknowledges it it's kind of funny and then they they move on and some of that is part of the show's charm yes here there's another example coming up to where i think it's not as not as charming i'll put it that way we'll just skip that part (laughs) (laughs) i'd like to but we cannot (laughs) it's not possible We'll okay. be on. We'll be on our third hour by the time we hit that. By the way, so uh, all right, let's get moving. I think we can kind of move through the next couple. Uh, Evolution, baby, and um, really, my only uh, thoughts is that the Hallelujah chorus on this sounded really, really more like a choir than it usually does. I, th- I thought that 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 part, uh, the vocals were really standing out. Um, the version grooves kind of nicely, and uh, this is. This is really heavy hitters in this part of the set. Really, uh, we'll get into it in a second, but um, this part was planned. Other parts that are coming up weren't. So, um, you know, this was good. This was good here. And then after that, we get a Let Stone sing chant, which be careful what you wish for. So anything <laughs> oh. else? We always uh, want Stone to sing. We just want them to just... know the song. That's that is the key to victory, my friend. Anything else on evolution before we we go forward? Yeah, it was it was a good version. I loved uh, the th- the thing that I liked about this is listening back to it. I love Jeff's bass uh, right before the solo, especially he lays down this nice riff before Stone solo, um, and it, you know it's it's there, it's good, it's tight, it's solid, and the what I liked about the end of this uh, first encore was. Um, it was a little bit more planned and these were songs that the band was playing obviously very consistently at the time. And I I feel like they delivered on them. Uh, yeah, I just thought this was another example of them not being the tightest this night, but, uh, it's the song isn't ruined. It's just a little loose and it kind of adds to it. Actually, it had a good vibe. It had a good, a, uh, forward movement to it. This, this song could be loose if it, if it wants to be. That's when we get the Let Stone Sing Chan in between, um, and then we get Plucky Banjo Black, um, waking up to watch the sunrise. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, this one was a little plucky for me. Did you go uh, plant some seeds on the farm after listening to this? Put on your overalls. I like this version a lot. Um, just, it's different. It's more reverby with uh, Mike solo at the end and it messes meshes so well uh with what boom was doing and then stone sort of bluesy folksy plucking at the end the end is really what made the song um stand out there's no uh we belong together tag but like it sounds like everybody at that part uh was almost a virtuoso mu- musician in that moment uh, it just everything sounded so flawless and so put together nicely. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, like I, the, these versions that they were playing as I throw something on the floor. Um, <laughs> uh, at this time, I, I enjoyed, and um, there's, I, I definitely, I get the elements of the pluckiness can be a, a little bit almost atonal and unpleasing at times, and. Um, the one thing that I liked about this that was too subtle almost was some of 
Boom's piano tone. I would love to hear that yes. amped up a little bit more and in, in the mix. Yes, I yes, agree. Yes, That's yes. that was my favorite part about the it, whole thing. Just Boom's section. He was touching a couple of moments. You're like, give me more, give me more. It sounds so nice in the mm-hmm. mix. So that element and the there, the thing that I liked about this. This is a sh- shorter, more succinct uh, black than uh, like others that you can uh, come across, but. At that point where they're just hitting the the the, the apex and Mike is right around, I guess it's like almost about five minutes. He's about to erupt and he does it short, but it's very passionate. His solo mm-hmm. in this, and at the same time he's doing that, the rest of the group is incredibly melodic right behind him. Everything from Jeff's baseline to these little little intricate things that. Uh, boom is doing and all of the strumming that stone is hitting on and then even matt's subtle subtle hits on the cymbals are just perfect it's a short succinct and not like wild version of black but it's just has that melancholy that fits really well yeah i i i really love the vibe uh I think what adds to it, especially at the end there with everyone dialing in, is I, I thought this was slow. Uh, the the beginning pluckiness did not really bother me that much. Unfortunately, it was the end. Uh, everyone was dialing in, and it sounded really good. And um, that plucking was like nails on a chalkboard to me. The playing, though, was very good. It's a t- It's a tone. It's a tone thing. Uh, so I agree. I agree with everything, but that plucky tone is what drives me nuts. We've talked about that so much, and that's why I kind of bring it up and I, I embellish on it a little bit because I know it just it just grinds your gears, oh, so it's, to speak. It's, it's my MFC. <laughs> <laughs> but that means you kind of no, 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 no. you're kind of like <laughs> waiting for it. You kind of, even though you hate it, you kind of want it. But the the thing is with with black is you you know if it's happening immediately or not so right uh it could really sour you for the rest of the listen um but yeah i mean everything everything was played beautifully it was just the tone the beauty of it is there's like 600 versions and exactly you you know all different there's things that you can gravitate to and things that if you don't you gravitate towards them well i feel like this is a good example of that because I feel like we haven't had a black where it's very plucky in a long time. So it feels like almost every time we do, we cover black, it's going to be something different that we're not just kind of glossing over it. Uh, yeah, no, we, usually... t- we, we, we've, we've, we've talked about that just recently, how black is, is wonderful that way because you know, the song backwards and forwards, but there is going to be something different about it every time. It gives you different kind of emotions. It's amazing that a song can can do that and bring that sort of presence. Um, and I like here uh, Ed mentioning Boom uh, that it's his first tour with the band, and he says he's stronger now than he's first started. And um, then there's the this, and I really love how this is an intro to this song. So uh, um, we're just, we're just gonna play it and then intro it and then talk. Boom Gasper on the keyboards as well. This has been Boom's first whole tour with us. First half tour. 
And he's stronger than he was when he started, believe it or not. That's a man, is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> I interrupted Stone, he was about to say. of Alive was kind of uh, picking, off, picking up where uh, Black left off a little bit. It feels like they're sort of on the same emotional level. The way, the way that you hear Alive, at least in most versions that we've heard it, it's a little more upbeat, but this version has a little... It, it, it feels like it's playing off of the same melancholy that Black was, even though it's not necessarily melancholy. It's definitely just... It's a step down from the pacing that 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 normalizes the song so 100 percent. yeah it, and also an, another thing that was like at this time it was almost impossible to catch these songs on the same night super rare and Black then and alive yeah and super rare wow. to catch them back to back on the same night it, the, the, these were like a trade-off song like if black was played one night he'd catch alive the another night that just was um, what was going on at that time. So to play him back to back and you look at the whole of the set, this was kind of like, hey, we're going to blast out all of the the chart topping. This is, you know, the, the number one type of experience that uh, that we've got. And um, the one thing that I see about this one is it was the the crowd was pumped there was a couple of times where Mike tried to amp it up just a little bit more and the band couldn't just jive with where he was going. He was trying. He was like, this is that time where I want it to be an eight minute version of Alive. And they were like, no, we're just going to keep it in tempo <laughs> and finish this and, set and off. You know what? The band, the band was right for doing that. Per- I, I, I have to side on the band with this, even though a hundred times out of a hundred, Mike is right amp it up do it up in this version in this spot coming off of black i feel like the band was right for keeping it the way it was perhaps but i was there and would have loved to see them vamp off where he was trying to drive them (laughs) i get that i totally get that it's a terrific point it's a weird song you know like it's just such a seminal song for them like it's it is like but they've always been reserved with it, you know, like, and, and, and it's weird to say that because when I say reserved, there are times where it's like, oh my gosh, this song is just so immense and so powerful. But you think about what they've done with something like Porch or what they've done with something like Rearview Mirror or what they've done with Black. And this one is... Even, even, even Better Man yeah, goes for 10 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And they've, this is one where they've like, the most that it's ever gotten is into that like six and a half, seven minute range. And I, I would say that you get to those, especially, and they, they seem to be bulk in the 2006 tour is my feeling and recollection. Those are great. 
they, that's when they they have moments of reckless abandon in their in their jam of it and it's that's you you kind of want that a little bit with this song i'm glad you explained it because i thought the beginning was a little off i thought coming out of black the momentum wasn't quite there and they had to gain some steam like they had to in my opinion on a couple songs on this set but i I don't know there was something that did not feel right to me about this performance and i think you convinced me of of why i felt that way i think you hit the nail on the head with that i think there was some pushing there and there was some people not reciprocating it and uh maybe everyone wasn't on the same page or maybe it should have gone longer maybe it should have been even shorter than it was i i do agree with randy i would side with the band on that one and in, in this particular occasion but i do understand what you're saying being there and wanting a little bit more but yeah no i i think you're i think you're dead on i think you're right about that there was a spot in the solo where mike completely stops and it kind of feels adrift um and i guess that was just him just trying to figure out how to retool himself and rework Mm -hmm. uh up to the band's standards and i didn't realize that at the time but uh that seems to be the execution here so um interesting that you brought that up uh it's kind of all coming together right now with this we all had questions on it and patrick has has shined the light yeah i mean you've listened to the bootleg way more than both of us combined i'm sure but uh i've listened to this more times than is humanly possible (laughs) (laughs) which is amazing because it takes almost four hours to get through yes so yeah it means you're really taking such a major chunk out of your life to listen to this show i'm waiting till somebody says to me can you give me your thesis on state college and I'm s- this. This is essentially it. You're like, give me 20 minutes, and I'll, I'll be done. Because <laughs> or how much are you going to pay me? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing I know more than this. I mean, is this not a thesis? What you're doing now? Uh, we're yes, we're like two and a half hours into this, right? I mean, you know, it's a fun. It's, it's a fun thesis. <laughs> but it's. I I it's, just I can't. Thesis poss- can be fun. I I guess I guess. Uh, I don't know. I I. I kind of I kind of slept through uh, any thesis that I've ever written. So, um, anyway, uh, you guys want to dip into madness or what? I think I'm I think I'm ready. Yeah, uh, you, you you don't sound enthused. Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not buying it. Well, I was also looking at the set list, and I'm like, let me just make sure I I know where I am right now. It's a little, it's a, I, how many songs are we? 24, 25? Where are we at? Uh, no, we're, uh, oh, wait, wait. Uh, sorry, I got to subtract these because the encore breaks are counted here. What are we? God damn it, 20, math. 27? Are we 27? No, not yet. Not 26. Yet. 26? Uh, uh, maybe. May, yes, 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 yes. Uh, I, I have starting the second encore 26. Yes. Okay. All right. That's where we're at. All right. So we kind of uh, mentioned it a little earlier that Encore 2, uh, that some of the set list stuff was planned and some wasn't. Encore 2, as far as we can tell, there is no written set for it. Yeah. And 
it's pretty easy to figure it out once you're in it that, um, you know, that there are some things that they don't really know what they're doing and they're just kind of flying by the seam of their pants. But we'll have to get to that because is it endearing? Is it charming? Or is it irritating to some people? We'll have to just figure that all out and just talk that through. But here we go. Let's dip into it. Uh, Ed mentions this being the last night of the tour, so it's hard to leave and tell you all that we have to go somewhere else. We have to go home. And they're all saying, why go home in this in this front? They, they're telling us to stick around. If you want us to stick around, we're willing to make this the longest show ever played. And uh, then Mike starts playing some jazz and he says if we have to play jazz we'll play jazz we may have to play bush leaguer just to keep the debate open without hurting anyone's feelings <laughs> and yes this is a couple days after the coliseum show uh so uh some firefighters got a, a little butt hurt and started hurling hurling quarters um long island folks Whew. uh but don't 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 worry because long island has 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 bounced back uh no, it like hasn't. Well, at, <laughs> at least at least is at least a different crowd in Nassau Coliseum because the last time I was in Nassau Coliseum, um, they were uh, they were chanting to cancel a, a Saudi Arabia show that 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 WWE would not refuse to uh, to budge on because they were making millions and millions and millions of dollars off of it. But that was right after the whole uh, you know incident happened. Uh, that Rant, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote you. Uh, Long Island has been spiraling into madness steadily, still, and it's I don't think it's. Oh, I know, but I was I was very happy that that the crowd in Long Island that night decided to uh, chant cancel Crown Jewel because uh, I I did not think they they had him in them, especially somebody in front of me was was wearing a respect my flag uh, hoodie, so. Uh, I thought it wasn't going to be in the cards that, you know, we were going to have a respectable crowd, but um, they did. So I, I'm just surprised by that. Um, but this is a Pearl Jam podcast, so let's move on. Uh, again, we don't know if any of this was planned. If it was, then cool. If it wasn't, then also cool because uh, there's some really good stuff in here. Um, last exit kicks off the encore. I thought it was a really good way to get back into this. Uh kind of show their hand that this part was part of the set that uh, is going to have some more unique stuff that's not usually in an encore. And this was an excellent uh, way to kick it off. Yeah. There's two places I, I like this song and, and one is uh, kicking off a set, which I've seen at least once, maybe twice um, and kicking off um, an encore Obviously, yeah, this is Encore 2, but uh, kicking off an Encore is a great placement for it as well because it has a good build. The band really generally gets into it, knows how to play it, and um, and rarely uh, misses a beat. I felt like Jeff killed it on this. Um, and even Ed, who at, at times was struggling with his uh, vocals through the night, um, he... he he hits this one off, especially at the the end part where you got to get into a little bit of a a screaming match with the the guitars. Yeah, hundred percent agree with everything. Very cool placement, and I had no other notes, which means that I enjoyed it. It means you just want Stone to sing. 
deba- debatable. No, of course I do. Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> so Stone kind of measles his way up to the mic and says, uh, every once in a while I get the call. Um, and uh, that brings us to take one. Action. Every once in a while. I get the call. So uh, you're bringing in the the reliever here, and um, apparently he didn't warm up in the bullpen. Oops. Uh, You know, um, this was at least like kind of fun and carefree, though. That's kind of, you know, it's it's stone, and and they don't seem like they're upset about it. They're all kind of laughing and. They're all, you know, Stone goes back to the microphone and, and asks, are you ready for me to try this again? So, uh... I, I felt like he took one for the team a little bit there. I mean, it was like, you know, he was ready to go. I mean, he's 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 got his... Oh, this isn't Stone's fault, no. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's I... The, this was like the rest of the band was like, I mean, come on. I mean, you've been on tour now for like 55-odd dates or I mean, less than that at this point, 40... 35 40 dates i mean i mean support your man be ready to go he, he was ready maybe, maybe this isn't stone not warming up in the bullpen maybe this is stone warmed up exactly. but first pitch was an error on the shortstop exactly so there you the, go the unfortunate thing is yeah it wasn't stone's fault but it sucks that he's the one that's got to look like the boob you know of course that's what happens to stone stone's made out to be the the boob. Which is funny because one time he did show his boobs. He did show his boobs. Exactly. Tie in right there. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, we don't we don't really take this one that seriously anyway, but uh, it's always fun to see. Uh, but I mentioned earlier about the mix of this show where I thought the guitars were too loud. Where the fuck did Matt go? There, there, the next few songs, there is almost no drums. It sounded well, like he's... He's playing it's, this like tambourine kind of thing. He I keeps... don't know if he was playing the tambourine or if somebody else was, but I think the... it might have been him. No, but Ed, the pro... Ed had tambourine out most of the night. Yeah. The problem is for the next couple songs, I thought the drums in the mix were so low. I wrote down, it sounds like he dropped his sticks and he was playing with his hands. It was <laughs> so strange. I'm like the whole. I don't know. Listen to Mankind again, and you're well, going to be like, wow, there's no drums in this song. We just did take one, so now I'll play director again. So, uh, take two. Action! <laughs>
sounded a little better than the first take, right? <laughs> well, they it's it was a song this time, I guess. It's a, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a song. Um, <laughs> this was the first performance of this since uh, the tenth anniversary show back in in two thousand in, in Vegas. Uh, Fifty eight shows in total, so there is ring rust. Uh, ultimately, they. I guess they figured out that the crowd uh, was incredibly excited that they got their wish from earlier. And um, it's a mess, but again, the band isn't really that frustrated. Like they seem to be with maybe with blood, there was fr- frustration there, but um, cause it just felt like it was labored to get through, but they were at least having fun with this. And I'm, I- I'm fine if they're having fun and it's rubbing off, off the, cl- off the crowd. Um, then, it's fine. And the enthusiasm is there. It's fine. You know, everybody's having a good time. Yeah. I mean, like I just said, we don't, you don't have to take this song seriously. This one you can have fun with. And as they did, they, they fucked it up the first time and that's part of the fun and that that's okay. If it happened on something like a live, it would be a, probably it'd be a big problem, but this is not, this is, this is okay. I have nothing to add. I've, I've heard better versions of the song. (laughs) Of course. Of <laughs> have course. you? Oh yeah. Although have you? Oh yeah. No, I've been I I've been to several shows where they played this and it was like, all right, it's it was on and everybody was ready. This was one Drink where Oval Team. Yeah, no, this was one where they were like, "Hey, let's do something completely different. We haven't done it." And and Stone was like, "Okay, I'll sing cuz they said Stone sing." <laughs> I was I was gonna say if 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 you were gonna say you hadn't heard better versions of the song, I was gonna be very upset for you. So I'm glad about to say this is never a perfect song. There's always something that's just either Stone is a little off or when they band is a little. There's just just always something with it. Can we just say real quick too? This is not a song where there should be this many problems with it all the time. No, it's fairly simple. I really don't understand. Perhaps the only thing I'll add is it's a weird time signature. It's a weird chord progression. It's weird for him to be singing over the chord progression. And also that they played it a little bit when Jack was in the band. And it just adds an an element of difference to it. I just don't know that they've they've ever been able to figure out how to hit it. Uh, uh, as best as they could so there's a couple of times in 96 where it's at least tight and interesting a couple of times in 98 and there's one or two when they play it since then where it's like oh yeah that that does it justice but it's one of those songs where they don't play it quite enough to be on top of it i i just think maybe (laughs) They don't really care, including Stone. And he goes, yeah, I'll do it, but I don't want to hear this for another year. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. That could be true. It's his baby, though. I mean, he should be proud of it. And, you know, when they do give him the chance to sing, he should kind of be like, oh, boy, they're giving me a shot. After after Mankind here, the crowd uh, starts chanting for what, Matt? Oh, oh, this. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I forgot to write that down. Uh, yeah, this is. Uh, <laughs> we got some hunters in the uh, in the crowd here. And Ed is say. right on the money. 
He, he is. He Crowd is. chants Dirty Frank, and Ed says, that's disgusting. Because it is. Because the fucking bus driver and whatever happened with that. So, uh, the next song is a B-side that should be an A-side. Yes. Loved that validation from Eddie there. Loved I, it. How many times do we have to say that? That, that oh. down could have easily have been on Riot Act over six of those songs? Although I, I still think it probably wouldn't have fit on the album but i would rather it be an album song than not it, so it would have w- it would have fit itself <sighs> i think there's a place that you can fit it i'm not entirely sure that it's i am so conflicted by it i'm not entirely sure that there's six songs that it could replace but um the one thing that i will say about this one was it was incredible to hear it live and i'm glad to have heard it live a couple of times and they just sounded full big and into it and it's 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 just a good song to carry in the environment that they play in they just they they attack it well we are talking about down by the way oh i i thought that was okay yeah uh, i don't know if we actually said it <laughs> oh yeah the 311 song right Yep. Sure. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Some, some. I don't even always been down, down. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I um, this, in the second encore, it feels really unique because uh, this is only the tenth time that it was ever played. So um, I'm sure people like you, Patrick, uh, are all for it and know the song and, and they're diggers and, and they've heard it from training tapes at the time and, and the, uh, save you B side or I am mine B side. I can't remember the single. I can't remember off the top of my head, but the, the thing that just astounded me is that they actually, um, that how often they were playing it. I mean, like you say, like 10th time at that point, 10th time of, you know, maybe this was, in, including Australia, Japan, this was what the thirty fifth, fortieth show ish, something along those lines, and they you, you could just tell they were feeling it and loving it and feeling like hey we can we can do something with the song. They didn't quite know where it fit on Riot Act, which is why it became a B side. But there was something about it that they really, as a band, enjoyed going after. I always see it as um. It's like if Lost Dogs had a single, it would be this. Mm-hmm. It definitely is a single. Uh, it was played in the encore at Uniondale. It uh, it was the I Am Mine single, and ah. and everything uh, about this song is fantastic. And uh, not not this this version. I'm just saying this song. It's 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 great, and I still don't think it would have it would have fit on right act but like i said i would rather have it be an album song and uh now getting to this version yes it was a good version here is uh coming up next um here's a great moment in this night that i think uh really uh gets talked about afterwards um all right this is always a song that has a place in the encore, and this Better Man is one of the highly lauded versions of this song that you could find. Crowd participation in the first chorus is absolutely, it is top notch. The version is really less about Better Man, though, which sounds great. Better Man sounds great. It sounds awesome. 
it's about the tag. It's about save it for later. Um, and it's a song that usually when you get it in the tag, uh, you know, they do the don't run away, don't run away, and they do that. But this version takes a much deeper dive into the actual song itself. Uh, so why don't we listen to the tag? Because the tag was just absolutely unbelievable. One of the best moments from this night. So let's hear it. Two dozen other dirty lovers All can be a sucker for it Don't mean to cry to my mother But just let me come, come To a decision on it Sooner or later you'll hit the deck You'll get found out Say it for later, no I could marry a song I would uh, I would this would be a suitorette one of them you know out of like 50 that I would have to choose from and, and give roses to and and stuff so um, please please share something so I don't make this more awkward than it can be <laughs> I was gonna let you keep going <laughs> I know you were that's why I had to, I had to change the conversation I think this I, I'll I said this the last time we all spoke. This was a song that it took me a long time to embrace live because for a variety of reasons. But I'll skip that and just get to the point of hearing how everybody reacts to it in a live environment is very intense. And this was one of the first times this happened um this is pre any msg pre any msg that became part of the pj20 movie and the pj20 soundtrack this was a lot of uh the fan club just psyched in emotive and into the song 
and I loved the little bit of the beginning when Ed was like, I'm just going to play with you a little bit and hold off before I get into the big part of the first verse. So he just teases everybody and holds them for a little bit because everybody wants to sing and drive the song. And he's like, but wait, I'm in control. <laughs> and it, and that's something he normally does now. So that you're saying that back then this could have been something he just started to do. Uh, it's. I think he just started to do it, and also it was. This is the beginning of the crowd reaction being this intense. That that there were portions of the crowd in '98 and 2000 that started this, but this was like this was the very my recollection of the very beginning of people being intense about Better Man Live. Hmm, okay. I, I agree that the crowd is great. Uh, and I, I, yeah, the tag was, was amazing. Um, I think it's way too long. I think the, I think the crowd carries a lot of the band. I think the, I think the actual performance of the song by the band was extremely par for the course. And, uh, going back on it being very long, I thought there was a lot of parts in, there's a lot of parts in this solo that I, I didn't like that, uh, the way they played some stuff, the way they broke some stuff down, uh, didn't need to be there. Could have been shortened. Um, yeah, th- this was this was good for the tag and the crowd. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't super impressed by the by the meat of the song though. I will say that I think that there is just such a high point in this tag where you know they're doing that don't run away don't run away don't run away and that part that build to the don't let me die like it's so powerful in this version and you can sort of feel it reverberate throughout your ears you know listening to it in a non-live environment i can just imagine you know i having heard this version uh, this song a million times and and knowing how powerful it can be uh this one sounds like it is uh, absolutely one of the best that it possibly that 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 has possibly ever happened. Yeah, it's the, up there. Uh, I, but I I, I want to see if I could be more specific with you on that. And and for me, that it's specifically the tag though, because I think I think in the jam and the solo area, there's there's like a good three or four minutes that could be cut out. I think it's I think there's there's a lot going on and there's some parts that just aren't that interesting and uh, kind of took a little bit of a dive for me and then comes back up. Uh, if this version was streamlined just a little bit and just a little shorter, uh, yeah, I, I'd be right there with you uh, as as more of a whole song instead of me just really liking the tag because the rest of it, the rest of it was was just, you know, it was it was OK for me. You have no soul. <laughs> and then next, we're just gonna skip the next one. <laughs> that's not fair. That's not what. No, we not do. only not only are we not skipping it, but I'm writing it down because I'm sure we're gonna play it. Oh, duh! Come on. Well. When he says, we hereby open the floor for requests, no, we're not going to play that song that he just hereby opened the floor for. 
GTF out of here. Yeah, well, there was a number of those. I mean, he created mayhem by saying we're opening the floor to requests. <laughs> so why would you pick the song that you don't know how to play? Oh, why would you even? <laughs> why would you even open the floor to requests? Other than the fact that I just feel oh. like they were. This is a point in time where they were on such a good vibe and connection with the fans that they were like, "Hey, let's see what happens." <laughs> And it backfired. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they only got they only got two requests: uh, "Dirty Frank" and "Leash." Oh, pussies. I think they got so, more than that. This was those uh, were the only two that they could read. Uh, reading's hard. It is. <laughs> I, do you think anybody actually said Satan's bed? Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You think so? Oh, there were oh. that there. I can vouch a hundred percent with clarity that that week there were multiple people saying, we got to hear that song. We got to hear that song. I, I, I was at a couple of the shows. I was being talked about. People were talking about it online in the forums. And I was like, well, you know, well, if they want to play it and can play it, that would be great. But I don't want to. At this point, they, they had brought back like glorified G and, and deep and, um, and why, why go? That had even been brought back. That that was one that was that was left off for a while. Yes, but they rehearsed those. <laughs> and and I'm guessing they probably catch wind of these things, and they have to be thinking to themselves, "We're going to do this." Uh, yeah, we might be flying off the cuff right now and doing this really cool thing, making this really long show, but we're also setting ourselves up to probably get one of three songs requested, and we can't do any of them. And that's, I think, what happened here. Well, let's let let's kind of go into what was said. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of dirty Frank, Frank and Lee's chants, and Ed kind of is pointing to people. Don't know that one. Used to know that one. Blah. And I guess what happens is, does he get a piece of paper with a song on it, and he says, "We'll have to." Uh, if there's a song on it, we'll have to play it. Is that is that what happened? That is sort of what happened. There was lots of things being thrown up on stage. There was papers, okay. there were shirts, there was boxes. I mean, it was it, it was mayhem at that point. Because he said, if it says, fuck me, Eddie, I'm not going to do it. And then he says, and the winner is, thanks for the music, please fuck me. I told you I wasn't going to do that. Wait, before I see more, I should at least know what he looks like. And that's when you hear Jeff Noodle a little bit. And it's Satan's bed. I think this is probably Jeff's choice. I would say. Was anybody like? Were they talking about it? I, I know. I, I I almost know for a fact that this wasn't Ed saying to one of the guys, "Let's do it." This was just like Jeff being like, "All right, I'm just gonna play something. Follow up." Uh, I I the my recollection was Jeff started hitting the baseline. Matt was trying to follow along. Stone started strumming the riff, and Mike was like, "Oh yeah, I know that song." <laughs> and it just started happening, and Ed was like, "Oh shit." <laughs> Matt had never played the song, I, by the way. Yeah, no, this... abs absolutely. But he was just like, "Okay, I can pick up that. I can pick up that rhythm." From the way you describe it there, and from the way you describe it being talked about on the forums and stuff. I I'm starting to suspect there was there was no request for it. I'm starting to suspect they planned on mm -mm. throwing this in at some point. Mm -mm. 
Yeah, if there I was disagree. no if there was no communication, I don't I don't know. If Jeff starts playing a song that Matt's never played, I don't know. I, I It's a simple it's, it's a simple beat it's, though. It's a simple it beat. It sounds it sounds somewhat set up to me and I don't know. I I disagree. I think I think it's it's um I think it all just sort of comes together in one giant car crashing like way. Um that you're going to listen to now because uh, we can't just talk about it and not listen to it. So we, they have to, let me put it, let let me put it this way. Listening to this song made me look forward to leaving here. I think we, we three without instruments right now can probably do a better version. (laughs) And Matt, since you're the basis, you can start off. Oh, start it off. I (laughs) no. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, why don't I just why don't I just grab my bass? I could probably learn it in about two two seconds. <laughs> well, that's what they did. Yeah. See, yeah. see if it's as easy as you think it is. Do you want me to actually grab it and see if I could play it? <laughs> actually, how about we we play the song here and then you come back with with the bass and we see if you can do it. <laughs> gentlemen um we are going to try to attempt uh some improv on this show um it's a little like going to one of those crappy nightclubs and seeing your your local non-musician try to play music um except for it's a musician that's trying to uh play a cover of a song in a fashion that was not really played right so let's see how easy it is so I just want to clarify for what Randy's saying is he wants me to play Satan's bed on bass really quick. So that's what I'm going to do. Hold on. I have to try to position like, my microphone. You like try to figure it out as, as you go and see how hard it is. And Okay. Can, can, can you hear it? Yep. Yep. I got you. Go ahead. I'm 
I'm done. I'm done. I think I think that was the riff. <laughs> See, it ain't that easy. I just did it. <laughs> but it still took you time. You it took write me, the song. I don't know. It's, it took me. It took me three and a half seconds. <laughs> so the reason why you're hearing it here. And yes, it, it sounds like shit, but it's allowed to sound like shit when you're playing it off the cuff and your drummer doesn't know it and your singer obviously doesn't know it. So your only person that really knows it is your crowd and your bass is sort of. Uh, and, and your co-podcast host, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to put my bass down now. Hold on. And your guest, because the best yes, thing yes. about this is the next time they actually play this song, and play it pretty decently. I was there. Of course you were. <laughs> Crazy Mary o- opening two times. <laughs> yeah, they wait. They wait until uh, uh, it was a Friday night in Albany during the Avocado tour, and they they bust out Satan's bed. They did Satan's bed. Wasn't that the night they busted out rats? Yep. Yes, it was. Oh, it was. That's pretty I, good. I rolled the dice. Got some stats here. I rolled the dice on that one, and. At some point in time in the near future, uh, that would be a good one to uh, peruse. Albany. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I haven't thought about Albany, but we can we can talk about it. Um, two hundred and twenty-two show absence. Uh, so yeah, there's going to be a ring rust uh, when you don't rehearse it. I'm sure it sounded better in Albany next week when we're doing Hartford 2010. It's going to sound pretty damn good. So See, yeah. Randy, you're you're making all the points, like word for word, as to why it should never have been played. Though, Ring Rust, your band doesn't know it. Two hundred and something odd times it hasn't been played. There is no reason why this should have been brought out on this stage this night. Yeah, there is, because the <laughs> fans requested it. <laughs> if they he did. asked. He, if if they did, if they actually Patrick, did, Patrick vouched for it. I, I, Didn't yeah, you just hear him? He, here's here's what I'm saying. Patrick also said for like 12 days before that it had been talked about on forums. If and they the, caught wind of that, this could have been prepared. It mm, could have looked like it was it an on the spot thing. Mm, I don't can't know. Say it, you can't say it wasn't, and I can't say it was. Maybe Je- maybe it's, Jeff it's, knew. Maybe Jeff knew, and maybe Jeff was keeping it, and. I don't know. Maybe they said, like, what are we backstage before the encore began? They're like, all right, what are we doing here? And they said, you know what? Let's just kind of wing it. Let's do something we haven't done in a while. And they're like, ah, shit. All right, what is it going to be? And Jeff is like, I'll kind of follow my lead. I don't know. I don't fucking know. I wasn't there. Only thing. It's it's kind of funny. The only thing I can forgive them on this is they went on the the tightrope. They were like, let's walk the tightrope. And even though they fell, they had no sense of embarrassment of saying, we're releasing this, not just to anyone who wants to buy it via the fan club. This was one of their official releases, and they said, take it. So I forgive them that in that they said, hey, sometimes we hit the mark, and sometimes maybe we don't, and we're not afraid of that. But... I don't know. That doesn't really hold a lot of weight for me. I don't think they have anything to be embarrassed for. Uh, I, You're I right. Know. They don't. And and uh, no, I'm not. I'm fun. not giving and them a pass on stage. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not giving them a pass. Like, oh, you know, just do whatever you want. But 
they they tried something. It was not good. I was there. I I, <laughs> I witnessed it, and it was like, what is happening right now? Um, yeah. Oh, listen. They they if they weren't embarrassed by it, that's fine. That's they they could have decided after to take this off. This didn't have to go on an official release. Exactly. You could take it off. Um, they just didn't care about it, obviously. And uh, no, they they cared. They just they wanted people to get the purest form of that night possible. That's how I'm seeing it. Even uh, though there has I, been I, shows I, that they have cut stuff off. I cannot make any type of excuse or reasoning for this. I, it's terrible. It's horrible. My my only one is that the fans got something completely different. It was just, and you know what? Like people wrote in and they and they said and. Look, the first time I heard it, I'm like, what is this trash? Why are they doing this? I was in the same boat. And sometimes you just talk to people and you realize why they like certain things. And, and, and you realize, like, you know, they're not musically inclined. They, they just like the band and they enjoy the band for what it is and and who they are. And this was just maybe just fun to them that, that they were able to kind of take a chance yeah it was a real shitty chance yeah it was a real shitty moment uh in a way but sometimes like sometimes you can make stuff that sucks into fucking gold and that's kind of how i see this they suck so hard at it that it worked i don't they they i uh no (laughs) no yeah i i I, I can't agree to the, any of that. Any, I can't. I cannot. I can give them the fact that they are willing to show their warts. That I'm totally fine with because they were like, "Hey, you know what? We did something, and we're it, it happened." I'd hesitate to go. I ha, there's not a medal that I could find that should be adorned on this. This was a <laughs> this was this was a catastrophe of a song. <laughs> Yeah, I th- I think if I had this as a stat, I would. The band might not be embarrassed of it, but I might be. All right. All right. Okay. I just I don't I don't I don't find the charm in it. All right. I find the I... effort in it, and yet if you're gonna make the effort, you should be prepared for the effort. Yeah, see, I can't. I really can't even go that far. I, <laughs> I think the effort is very irresponsible. I can respect that. <laughs> and I think I think at this point in the game, they've done so much in their career for, I don't know, was it 12 years, however long they, they had been a band, um, that honestly, like, they can get away with it. Maybe other bands, maybe if it was in 1994, 1995, maybe, maybe they can't get away with it. Maybe you're just like, what the fuck are these guys doing? But at this point... How many albums have they sold? How many fans are in this arena? How many fan club members are there? You know what? Just they're just having fun. Yeah, but that's it. But and but, but I want to I want to see them have fun. I want to see them be happy. My thought process on that is: I'm sitting in the crowd and I go, "How many fucking albums have these guys sold? Why the fuck would they do that? This is terrible. This is a waste of my time." It could go I'm, the complete opposite way. I look. I'm in no way disagreeing that I'm all I'm trying to do is play devil's advocate for the person that was in the crowd and said, like, this was a moment that I'll remember forever. Like that's, that's all I'm saying. Cause there have been people that, that wrote to us and said that they do remember this 
more than they remember a lot of other things in the set. And and while it's a good memory or it's a bad memory, it's it's a memory. And sometimes that's the key is is to create those memories. And um, so that's that's all I can exhaust with it. Leaving here. Oh, sure. finally! <laughs> I've never, I've never been so excited to talk about leaving here before. <laughs> it is a really abrupt way to end a set, but um, it is. It's a little. Uh, it is it's all right. It is, but I think that the thing is, like this second encore, I'm not entirely sure. Other than in its in retrospect, part of like okay, you hear how they've played the songs and obviously they were absolutely attuned to playing down and better man and and even at that point in time last exit i don't know how much of the second set that they really were prepared to play because there is no visual of it you you see the main set the second encore or, or i'm sorry the first encore and the third encore are visually out there the second encore i think was entirely inaudible yeah, that's. I think outside of Better Man, maybe maybe that was planned because I feel like you're going that deep into the tag. There had to be some plan on that, right? I don't know. They they that was a time where they really they played the deep save it for later tag often. So I don't know that. So it's just popularized by this version because it was a release. Yep, yep. And it's been on serious radio. Yep. Okay, all right. That's then that that's fair to say that that because I I didn't think that they had busted it out uh, fully a lot at that time. I could see Better Man and Leaving Here maybe having been in their mind at least. <clears throat> well, Leaving I- Here, we know we know that if Leaving Here is being played. Uh, you know, maybe more in modern days, if, if if they are looking to change it up and call an audible with leaving here, they do not play it well. And this at least wasn't like a total train wreck. I completely agree that that's why I thought that, because you're right. I mean, <clears throat> sometimes they will call it on stage and it's like oh, that leaving here was <laughs> so shitty. Uh, this one actually sounded like it had a place being here. And I mean that by by uh, saying that it it wasn't that bad. Like, it, like they were prepared to do it basically where last exit may, may not have been on the set anywhere, but they do it enough to where they're going to pull it off. Uh, but mankind, mankind could have been better. That could have just been pulled out of thin air. Um, down had been played. Uh, maybe they knew they could pull that off. Well, uh, same with better man. Um, and same with leaving here. So maybe there was like a, a, a thought process, but maybe nothing set in stone um, for this. For this Mankind second. was set in stone. No, no, no. Wow. Oh, shit. Okay. The dad jokes yeah. keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. It was it was a layup. Come on. <laughs> I went, went right through the five hole. Um, Leaving here was played relatively well. I The only thing I would say is mysteriously the one person who probably is most attached to that song Missed their solo. <laughs> Jeff. No. It was Ed. It was Ed. It was Ed. He was like, break, break, 
Perfect. <laughs> oh, we had the rock, the the guitar hero. It was sort of blinking. You missed this version. That's I was still yeah. writing shit about Satan's bed, and I figured leaving here was so quick that I guess there really wasn't much more to say. I didn't think we'd be even talking about it this much at this point. So, but that's you know where we are. We're at. But anything else to say on it? Because I, I was think gonna, I was going to say that's all I had for it. <laughs> all right. So we're in Encore 3 now, and I think this is really important uh, to touch up on this. Uh, we're doing things a lot, a little bit differently uh, in this part of the set for, for this show because um, just the uniqueness and we're getting on, you know, this is 31 through uh, song 31 through song 36 here. And we don't get this too often, especially back then. And uh, that's really what stands out in this show. And I really feel it all encapsulates uh, from this section of the set. So it all kicks off when Ed says, we're, we're daring you to leave this, but this is the best bottle of wine there's been all tour and we're going to play until we finish it. Uh, and that brings into the song that, uh, attributes to bottle of wine. That would be, uh, take a bottle and drink it down for crazy Mary. Down a long dirt road Past the Parsons place The old blue car We used to race A little country store With a sign tied to the side Said no L-O-I-T-E-R-I-N-G-A line Underneath that sign congregated quite a crowd Take a bottle, drink it down Pass it around And take a bottle, drink it down Pass it around Pass it down Take a bottle, drink it down Pass it down Pass it down Pass it around after Crazy Mary, uh, you get not another riffy porch. Uh, this is 10 minutes of Wild Mike and, and the Shred Machine doing business. A little war pigs here and there. Um, and uh, let's just, again, hear another little snippet of Continue on after Porch with uh, a cover that was used very frequently in 2003. Not much uh, uh, later in in the later years. We don't hear it much today. But um, 
Again, these final five are just kicking lots of ass, and this is right smack dab in the middle of it. Here is a little piece of fortunate song. So playing more bits in this encore and obviously, you know, we're in kind of the bread and butter territory, but really in this case, it doesn't matter because everything is sounding good. Everything is energetic, electric, enthusiastic for this part of the set. And as crazy as encore two was, um, this sort of, this took all the energy of that and, and, you know, all the madness that was happening and this really, this dialed in, this focused in and, um, you know, it really rocking, rocking in the free world is, is the penultimate end to your night. So, uh, let's hear a little bit of this and then we'll, we'll wrap with Lud better. come back from rocking uh they thank the band sparta and he mentions ed mentions a guy named sarge from the lighting crew who's in the reserves and he was sent to get a special ops guy out and um and he said it's been an interesting tour finding out what people's feelings are but getting it all out and talking about it has been a positive thing and that goes directly into lead better which at this point in the tour uh, they had been changing a lot of lyrics to, uh, in order to sort of support their feelings on uh, what was going on in the war. So let's hear a little piece of that.
something we haven't done often. We we played every a, a piece of every song in this encore to sort of end the night. Um, kind of a cool way to do it. And uh, now now we can talk about it. Um, starting with Crazy Mary. This is just really to kick off a set like this. This is really the mind explosion uh, with Boom and Mike and this late in the night that everybody is just still cranking it out. And this goes with all five songs and how well they all just meshed together and worked and that you feel the energy, you feel the enthusiasm. Everything was, um, it was a little slice of, of uh, what is so good about calling to these shows. Yeah, to, me, to me, this is like a, a little bit of what I talked about with the bookends that, that like the first 13 songs maybe 14, 15 songs of the main set. And there were good things in between, but this encore is what really, this is the reason why people talk about this as quote unquote being a memorable or uh, legendary or the myth, you know, mythological shows like those things that that stick with them i don't know that i get into that hype element of of what makes it that spectacular as much as if you look at it and you just look at the pieces and components of it and you can strip out some of the things that aren't perfect the beginning main set to the encore and if you look at those, they just bookend this great night of a great week of a great tour. Yeah, I agree with the bookends. I was a little worried at first because uh, this was, I think, my fourth or fifth example uh, of a song starting out where there wasn't a lot of passion. I, I was I was getting no heart or passion from the beginning of Crazy Mary, and, and it, it got there, though, and that turn into a running theme for me for a lot of songs on this set i guess i guess they just needed some build-up time and and the songs eventually got there but it got me worried i said okay we got porch what's that gonna sound like fortunate son i've never had a bad thing to say about pearl jam doing fortunate son unless they have certain people guest singing on it which i don't care for um rocking in yellow of uh, yellow ledbetter of course we've heard it a million times but you know, sometimes you have shows that that that's where those songs really fit. And I'm saying this could be a real kick ass like encore three here that can really wrap up this long and sometimes good, sometimes strange night. And uh, but it turned out great. They got there with Crazy Mary. They had great chemistry in the end. And uh, they basically wrote it all the way out to uh, to uh, Ledbetter. How I envisioned this, uh, aside from a little talking in between uh, Rockin' and, and Ledbetter there, um, this sort of feels like this encore is, is sort of uh, a 25-minute, I, I can guess that's how long it took. Oh, uh, a it was longer than was that. It, <laughs> was it rockin longer than that? Rockin' in the Free World is like 11 minutes by itself. With the, with the Crazy yeah. Mary was like 10 minutes. All right, so, yeah, think, okay, so maybe about 40, about eight. 40 minutes. Yeah, it's long. Yeah, the the entire third encore between actual music played and some of Ed's talking is about forty five to fifty minutes. Jesus wow. Christ. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. It felt like it flew when I was covering it yesterday. Wow. 
I, uh, I kind of think it's kind of like a 45 minute or 50 minute medley. That's what it sounds like to me. Every song, it fits so well in together and the energy is picked up from the last song and, uh, brought into the next one. And, you know, there, there is no downtime, even, you know, in between rocking and Ledbetter, you have a second to just thank the crowd, but it really puts a beautiful bow on what was a just wacky, wacky, crazy night. (laughs) There's no other way to say it. This, this night was, um, it's, it's legendary for a lot of reasons. I, I mean, you know, we toss around that word like, you know, we're, we're throwing candy out of a parade float. But, um, you know, it, it's to, to get to be a legendary status, you, you have to talk about it years and years later. It's 16 years later to the date. Um, we're still talking about it. We're here. We decided to do this over, you know, 2003 shows in Little Rock, Arkansas and, you know, Mobile, Alabama, wherever, uh, you know. Not to say that those shows couldn't have been good. Maybe those shows were great. Who knows? But they're, nobody's talking about those shows. They're talking about this one. And I feel like a real reason why is because everything in here fits so well. Uh, Porch was just an incredible. Just sit there for 8 to 10 minutes and just take it all in. Enjoy it. Fortunate Son not that one wasn't long that was probably the shortest of of the bunch but it's just it fits so well after kind of just madness and and craziness of porch to just get something kind of poppy upbeat and and the crowd is keeping their energy and keeping going and and rocking just um it's the goodbye before the goodbye just he changes the lyrics in there uh kind of stops beforehand and says no i'm i am going to change the lyrics and that part just keeps kind of going uh and it just it is everything that encapsulates a rock and roll show yeah i think a couple of things about this third encore are i've listened to a lot of the build-up of crazy mary as this tour began but this this was like it's to me amazingly as it was the last night of the actual second leg if you look at it in in intervals completely with what they did in australia and japan this being us one this was like the birth of boom and the birth of boom it's a really good point the birth of boom actually also like connecting with mike this was them with crazy mary this was the first time where i experienced them being on a different level in a different plane and that's me being in the crowd and seeing it i think if you looked at a couple of the other nights where it was played on this tour and even in just this week you could find moments where you're like, oh, well, I, I see that happening. The one thing I'll say about Porch that that I think is super valuable is this was one of the couple of times where they they went out and, and didn't just attack it and finish it. 
this was one of those moments where, and I experienced another one on Randall's Island in 96, where Ed tapped into something and the band followed his lead and allowed it to extend. And at this moment, allowed it to extend in a better and more productive way. And his viewpoint on what he was trying to articulate and talk about and what he got to by the time they started talking between um, Rockin' in the Free World and Yellow Ledbetter, where he, he probably said it more, very much more clearly. But he got to this point where he was trying to say that everybody needs to have a voice. And that's what makes this porch kind of special, is that he was really tuned into the room and trying to tell everybody that it's not don't feel shut down don't feel weighed down have a voice speak talk be who you are and and i think that's what i take from this particular version a lot of people might say oh it's 10 minutes it's the greatest i don't know that it's musically the greatest version by any stretch but he tapped into something that was happening in the crowd that night and was able to push that back and make it a little bit more than just the concert and the music um all right let's uh let's wrap this up uh let's do ratings here so what do you got so i'll go from the experience of being there through that week through the tour and being at the venue as everything was unfolding that experience is about a nine the overall show i would say is seven to maybe seven and a half i might have some unpopular opinions on it but um you know we mentioned that it's still it's still a popular show and it's still talked about and i had written down in my notes that uh, you know, I, I think maybe people might see on the surface that it is a historically long show and they went off the cuff for an encore and they did this really great ending encore. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know if people are really, really paying attention to the performance and it's long, but it didn't it didn't need to be. There are a lot of places where it could be streamlined and I think a lot of things could have been cut and even though I enjoy the history of it being a, a marathon of a show, you're doing four five or maybe even six, 10 minute songs. And even though I love that last encore, I don't think you need a 10 minute rocking in the free world in your last encore with an encore as stacked as it was a 10 minute rocking is, is really long. I, I don't like the improvs, uh, Satan's bed. Of course I've, I've voiced my opinion and uh, I think Eddie's solo part should have been substituted for a full band campfire type thing. I think it was it was tight in places. I liked that it was loose in places. I think that actually added a lot of uh, uh, great vibes to it. I thought there were some bad parts, and I thought there were some par for the course parts. So it's kind of uh, really up and down for me. I got to go six and a half. Um, all right, it's my turn. Um... You know, overall, while this is a pretty historic show um, and talked about show, I went into this having pretty high expectations because I 
I usually trust the Pearl Jam person when they say something is really good and it's echoed uh, throughout dozens and dozens of people. And I've been seeing this for years and I've been seeing this show come up for years and it was one of the first ones that I'm sure people requested uh, us to do. And, you know, and it really wasn't until about a month ago that I decided, okay, sit down and listen to it and kind of, you know, just, just take it in and, and see it for what it is. And when I first listened to it, I, I don't know. I, I felt like I had to do a lot more convincing than I thought I would. Um, I might have come off as pretty positive in places here, and it's it was really a lot of it was to counteract and understand why people felt a certain way about this show and to try to defend uh, their stance on it. And it doesn't mean that I necessarily loved it. Um, you know, I wasn't... I thought that that blood was miserable. I really thought that it was just such a poor way to close a set. And I really, now that I know that Mike was having guitar problems, yeah, it's an excuse, but I, I, I kind of still don't care because it still sounded bad. Um, Satan's bed. I'll go back to that. I was trying to defend people i was trying to defend sort of why people thought that it was you know a, a good moment and and i but it's that isn't necessarily how i really feel about it i thought it was a train wreck and i feel like i did say it but i was trying to i was trying to take a little bit from how the fan is thinking about this and trying to defend their side because it feels like their side wasn't defended. So if if I failed you on that aspect by by lying to you in this moment, I'm I'm sorry. I'm a dirtbag. What do you want me to say? Uh, <laughs> I enjoy, I enjoyed this show, but it wasn't I'm not like dying to go back to it. Most of the shows that I really love that we've listened to, I'm like, I can't wait to go back to it. But although I really like and really respect a lot of things in this show, there are things that I'm just, I'm personally not dying to listen to it again as a bootleg. So I'm covering it most of, based off of what history has been made of it, what some things that that Patrick has brought up that really held the crowd together. Um, some things that 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 might have been things that stick in your memory and will never be done in that fashion again. And although it's unique, it's fine. It's a fine show. I don't think it deserves more than an eight, so I'm giving it a seven point five. I think that is fairly generous to be quite honest with you. Um, I know I talked positive about it for most of this show, but I, and I don't, I, it's fine. It just, there's nothing wrong with it. It just, um, I don't 
feel the need to go back to it. And that's why I don't want to give it an eight or more. And, and, and it's me respecting where, you know, the history and where the show has been and, and, and how the show is, has stand stood the test of time. But, um, it's personally, uh, is, is fine, but not amazing. Bet you didn't expect me to say any of that. <laughs> There's better shows from this week. Yeah, I listened to that 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 Philly show. That Philly show is really good. <laughs> it is. So. It's a, it's one of those sneaky ones. It, it, this is a fine and awesome event, and you're there. And uh, having been there, and all the people that are there, it's extended. It's long. There's the awesome encores. It's a bookend show. The beginning of the first set is fantastic. The encore three is fantastic. There's points in the middle that are okay, but they're not spectacular. So it's hard to say it's a spectacular show. It's a it's yeah, a, a it's a fun show of a fun tour, and people that have been there or that adore listening to it should continue to feel that way. But it's by no means should anyone be thinking that this is the most spectacular Pearl Jam show that ever happened. I was there. It was fun. And it was a good, awesome experience. I've been to better shows. There you have it. That's it. We've, uh, we've done this as much justice as we can. Um, uh, exhausted a lot of time. Um, all right. Let's uh let's do game time. Oh my, Patrick, you're you're the first person ever be on the game show twice. Uh, well, welcome back to the game show. You uh, won, you know, thirteen dollars in 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 Pearl Jam Monopoly money last time. How have you spent it since then? Woo! <laughs> You've spent it. Woo! Okay, great. Um, cue, cue the corny uh, game show music and let's get going. category in today's game show it is songs live songs that eddie plays on guitar and some of these are contested so therefore if there is one that does get contested what we're gonna do is is go uh 15 to victory here so if you get 15 you win um uh it will be within a minute um Again, I have a bunch written down that I know of. You can mention one that might be right that I don't know. Okay. But um, it was an idea, and uh, we're just going to go for it. So, uh, Matt, do you have the clock ready? Okay. The clock is ready, yes. All right. Give them a three, two, one. Ready. Three, two, one, go. Porch, uh, rearview mirror, uh, elderly woman. Um, not for you, corduroy. Oh my goodness! Unthought known. Uh, in my tree, and there's a whole bunch more. Who you are, and 
Mm, that one's contested. I don't know about that oh. one. We'll keep it on ice. Okay. Off he goes, and uh, immortality, and um, now we got to get to latter years. Uh, we've got a gone, and uh, stop. All right. So. If who you are counts, which, you know, we, we can check at any moment. Um, if it counts, then you have 11. If it doesn't count, you have 10 because the rest of them were on my list. Okay. So that's pretty, that's pretty good. I feel good about that's that. Good. Yeah. Uh, it's tough because, honestly, I, I feel like I, I would have a difficult time with this one, too, because I had a difficult time making this list. But one's... That you didn't say that that I had picked up. Uh, Just breathe. Okay. Uh, thumbing my way. Yeah. The end. Yeah. Future days. Basically, like Eddie. all of the, all the Eddie Cedric songs that I should have gotten uh-huh. right off the rip. <laughs> and I'm even counting the ukulele one. So uh, okay. soon forget and uh, and sleeping by myself. Um, yeah. Did I say future days? Uh, yes, future you did. days. Lightning bolt. Uh, wish list. Did he say Lucan? I forget. I did not. Lucan's one. Uh, Dead Man. I think he plays on Sad. That was one I was contesting. I think he plays on Down, another one I was contesting. I'm pretty sure he plays on Leatherman. Definitely Uh, plays on Leatherman. Yeah, okay. Uh, Habit. Yep, Um, absolutely. Out of my my mind. Uh, Eh, Out of my mind, I don't think so. I thought he was part of that jam originally contested we can contest it um and then like ones i didn't uh, i think parachutes he definitely plays on uh sometimes maybe i'm open i'm open i'm open he definitely plays on i am mine yes Okay, I am mine. He plays on that one. I really wasn't sure of. Matt seemed to be pretty confident with it. Uh, he plays. Yeah, he's the intro. That's yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he wrote okay. that. He wrote that one. I knew he wrote it, but I just didn't know if he played it. Live. Yep. Uh, MFC, another one he wrote. Yep. Um. So wait, and... wait. Did I get any? <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm saying the ones that you didn't. Get. I know, but we've <laughs> we've we've now named like thirty. That's what I had. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't. Worldwide suicide was another one I was unsure of. Okay, I can remember. But anyway, we've exhausted a real lot of time talking about this show, and um, and we're thank you for uh, taking a lot of time out of your life to relive this and and go through this and just. Um, and talk about this because it's 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 for the for the fans and for the band's legacy. It is important to talk about. Uh, I'm glad we did it, even if we all kind of have differing opinions on it, and even if our opinions kind of changed midway through. You know, it's uh, it's hard not to have an opinion on this show. Absolutely. I mean, no one's like in the most 
unique of circumstances, people's opinions can be the same. But if they're the same just because and without uh, any consideration, that's boring as as hell, and nobody wants to be there. Um, so it's it's fun to talk about. People should appreciate the music. People should enjoy the music and listen to a ton of it because there's an infinite number of bootlegs that everybody can access and go for it and enjoy it and and find ways to agree or disagree or things that uh move them and uh don't get caught up on the idea that like oh my god no i was at this show so it has to be the best because that's shouldn't be what it's about should be about like finding sparks there's moments in every show I will attest to every show I've been to has things that make you enjoy Pearl Jam's music and music as a whole but that shouldn't overshadow the fact that there can be moments that you miss or didn't get to personally that can be equally as awesome so you're you're trying to filter all of that out and uh, figure out what's what's not just enjoyable but what's uh, like enjoyable and also important beyond what you personally experience well said that's couldn't say it better besides uh if you are listening to those billions and millions of bootlegs um request one for us to cover <laughs> and uh um that was the one that that's a joke obviously but um you know if you're listening if you're taking all the time to listen to bootlegs you might as well tell us hey we've been listening to all these bootlegs here's a good option for you and, I, was, I was gonna say it's not really it's not really that much of a joke we will take requests if you have them we always take requests <laughs> we got we got a message today saying like you're never gonna do this this show from 1996 i'm like how do you know that we'll do it next week how about <laughs> no next week we're doing hartford <laughs> we need to do a show i've been to at some point true which the next like three are <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say i'm pretty sure we did like three in a row uh when we started the podcast so let's, we had to uh... that, that we had to do that because it's you know that's it is what it is. Uh, Patrick, thanks for coming on. Thanks for supporting the show. You're, you know, you're a super fan. I, I, I like to call you a super fan. Um, uh, cause you're a super person and you're, you're always, um, you're always interacting with us on social media. If you, if you see Patrick's name, uh, that means something important is going on because he's, he's, he's reacting to something that we've said. So, uh, Continue the conversation is, is all we, we ask you to do. And, and he, Patrick, has always got some great things to say. I don't know if you've been listening to, for the last six hours, but uh, he said some pretty good things in there. They were okay. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's all social media stuff. So, again, Patrick, thanks for joining us on this, uh, this little trip here. Happy to do it. Love that you guys continue to do this, and uh, anytime I can help and contribute, I'm happy to do it. Absolutely, man. We'll uh, we'll see you down the road. We'll do another show very soon. All right. Thank you. You got it. All right. So you heard from Patrick. Uh, now we got 
a story that I uh, would like to share from you from uh, from listener Eli, uh, who shared with us before and uh, was nice enough to share with us a, uh, a story this time. So uh, something we didn't talk about this right off the beginning, the ticketing system with this tour. Everybody went crazy because it was the first time that you could get more than one show with 10 club tickets and everything was reserved. I had picked out eight shows I had planned on going to and then added State College after the fact. My girlfriend, who is now my wife, and I were long distance at the time. She lived in in the D.C. area. She she suggested I come out for State College for a quick weekend visit, and she had gotten 10 club tickets for it. It was our first time seeing the band together, even though we met because we were both huge fans. Huge line for ticket pickup in the afternoon wrapped around the building we had amazing seats basically even with fifth row or so but up the side a couple rows from the floor on mike's side we could see the whole stage clearly so we could see eddie's dog off to the side stage i think it was jill walking it uh during the show i wonder what kind of dog he had i have no idea um but i i I do wonder um i think its name was hank though if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and so the Satan be- Satan's Bed thing was a total mess, but the lead up to it was incredible. We got two acoustic Eddie Beatles songs at the encore instead of just one. And when and technically, uh, uh, Give Me Some Truth is a Lennon song, but close enough. Uh, when Eddie announced that if we wanted to keep going, they were willing to make this the longest show in the history of Pearl Jam. The place went nuts. I knew... Going to the last show of the leg would be a good one, but I never expected it to be the longest show ever. Well, that record wasn't held for too long, but it was still awesome to be there. Three hours and 20 or 22 minutes, if I recall. The CD bootleg had several minutes of crowd noise cut out from the between the encores, of course. This was one of the best versions of Better Man probably ever, and I'm not even a Better Man fan. I remember from our vantage point seeing the ushers and employees at the venue on a college campus, so not a typical arena security crowd, pacing around and looking at each other and their expressions every time they would start another song, where where it would be so late at night by that point, etc., it was like Eddie shined the reflection light on every single section in that arena on porch when he was talking about Sarge and how we're being told the war is over. It was so quiet you can hear a pin drop. That's a really good point that um, that I noticed too, and I didn't even write down. I, I was just kind of so sucked into that uh, little part there. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's pretty audible on the CD. Uh, the last couple songs with the lights on when we can see all the employees wondering what was going on. They were awesome. You could see the, you could see the place was still packed and everyone knew they had just been part of something special. It was an amazing concert. Strangely, only three new songs and packed with, uh, three riot act songs that is and packed with 10 era stuff i heard quite a few songs i'd never heard live before with that many songs and two improv songs when something or other wasn't working the band was in top form except for satan's bed and i think at this point having to been been to 26 shows since 1993 state college is still my favorite because of the amazing experience And I also remember my wife saying at the start, I've never been to a bad show that starts with release, and I still think of that when I hear it at a show now, and little did we know what was in store for us when she said that. That was uh, awesome. Thank you very much, Eli, for uh, for chiming in. Um, 
Uh, our next story is from uh, Jason McWilliams. Uh, he writes in, Hey guys, love the podcast. First time contributor. The State College show will always be special for me. It was my first show, and I only ended up going because I was shut out at the Spectrum shows in Philly on that same tour. So I thought, why not try and see them later at the tour in State College? It's still Pennsylvania, right? Well, after a drive that lasted over three hours, my buddy and I finally landed for the show. And this is also where I first encountered the f- fanaticism, fan, f- fanaticism, I don't know how to say that word, uh, that follows, that comes with following the band. The hotel we stayed at was full of fans attending the show. At check-in, I made conversation with a couple of guys who found out it was my first show, and they were genuinely excited that I was going to see them for the first time. As for the show itself, I went in not knowing what to expect since it was my first show. I was hoping to hear the hits, but also some of the songs that they were playing earlier on this leg, like Crazy Mary and Blood and Breath. When things started off with release, I knew we were in for something special. If I remember correctly, it was also the last show, the first leg of the 2003 tour. That is correct. And the band treated the night accordingly. There was the acoustic set for the Amish that included Hide Your Love Away and a great version of Give Me Some Truth. Ed really seemed to be in the moment, and towards the end of the show, he was daring people to leave. Another moment that stands out from the night was an inebriated Ed fumbling his way through Satan's bed. The song sounded like drunk karaoke version of itself. Still hilarious nonetheless. That's a really good way to describe that drunk karaoke version. When the night was over and we got back to our hotel, we were greeted with smiles and high fives from the same fans that welcomed us earlier in the day. They were just as excited for me and my first show experience as I was. They told me as the show kept going on later and later that they would talk about my good fortune in in choosing to come to State College to see my first show. That's when I knew that I found my tribe and I couldn't wait to go to the next show. Thanks for taking the time to read this and keep on rocking in the free world. Jason McWilliams from Lumberton, New Jersey. All right. Thank you, Jason. That was awesome. Always good to hear stories about a a first show experience. And uh, just like you, I also had release of my first show, too. So, all right. Now, uh, now let's get down to business. Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know who you are. Head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs. And, uh, you got lots of great stuff for joining up with us on Patreon. Matt, what do you, what do you get out of this, out of this all encompassing podcast? What do you get? Well, if you'd like to be like Patrick, you could come on the show and talk about a Pearl Jam show that you've seen. Pearl Jam fans talking about Pearl Jam shows. That sounds like a match made in heaven. Are you kidding me? 
it doesn't even have to be a show that you've been to. I mean, of course, that would be nice, but if you... It helps. Yeah, it helps, but say you have... Um, I don't say you have a bootleg of a show that you really love and it happens to be better than a show that you've been to. Let's talk about that one. Let's uh, talk about whatever you want. Or how about you've been sitting here and you've been listening to 33 some odd episodes that we've been doing and you've said, hmm, you know, they really should touch up on X show. And uh, this is X uh, year or... Or X. Or X. A show where X opened up for them. Or played New World with them. Mm -hmm. We've done that before, but still, you know, you can make that happen. And not only that, but, like, you get to come on the show, you get to have a little Pearl Jam experience, and, uh, you know, everything goes towards putting uh, more in for the show and more in for the fans whenever we do decide to, uh, you know... Whenever the band decides to go on tour, uh, we have some things in mind. We actually, I didn't even talk to Patrick about this. We we brought up an idea uh, this week that we have in mind for a little fan meetup. I can't believe we forgot to, to ask Patrick about it. Yeah. Um, you know what? He was I one will, of the first people we thought of that might have been able to make it. <laughs> I, will, I will text him. Um, but if you are in the New Yorkish area and you know new york new jersey connecticut maybe pennsylvania where however long you want to drive um if, if you like if you like pearl jam if you like baseball and especially if you like Mets baseball we were thinking about just getting getting the gang together uh you know do a big Pearl Jam and Mets Fest. Uh, you know, we do a little tailgate on a Sunday type thing. Uh, you know, hang out in the early morning. We just talk and listen to Pearl Jam in, in the parking lot, have a couple drinks, go in, watch a game, hang out all together. We get a big group of tickets kind of deal. Uh, you know, we'll be there. Uh, Patrick lives a little far, but hopefully we can convince him to come. Uh, I'm sure Buckley is in once uh, he listens that uh, uh, to to this because I haven't told him anything about it. But uh, we're thinking about doing live on four legs at a Mets game. We don't know the date, but look, if you're listening to this right now and you live in like that East Coast area and you said to yourself, you know what, I just it would be nice to get out and get to talking to some local Pearl Jam fans, uh, please just let me know that you're interested. And the quicker we get that, the quicker we can figure out a date, uh, a time, whatever, uh, a game. Um, and we can really get this going. And, and again, we we like to, to try to do things, you know, to give back to the community, to give back to you guys. Uh, you know, we did all of our stuff in Boston. We had to kind of convince people with free stuff. But if we have to do that again, hmm, potentially we could. I don't know. It could be a thing. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But, yes, uh, that is a potential thing that could happen. So, uh yeah more on that at a at a later date um but yes patreon for patreon donors hopefully uh your episode is there now and we if it's not we we sincerely apologize but um head on over to our patreon and support the show 
next week uh, we're taking a uh, we're taking a dip back in time nine years ago Hartford 2010 uh, that would be the third show I ever attended um, it happened in May and it happened I think around that same date that the show was coming out so uh, that's why I kind of wanted to save it it's the first time uh, we're doing a show that I've been to in a long time so I'm very excited for it because I love talking about myself I have not looked at the set list yet so uh, but I know you've uh, you've held this one pretty high so I'm excited to see what it what it looks like yeah it's 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 probably not my in my top five of the ones I've I've been to, but it's uh it's it's real solid. It's it's a real fun show. Uh, I have stories about the day um, about uh, you know uh, I think we're gonna talk a little bit about just my um, relationship with religion uh, that has something to do with that day because of uh, of an ex who uh, I went to that show with. Um, it all kind of ties in together somehow. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, those, those are just, that's my experience from the day. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell that stuff, but it, it has a good Satan's bed. And that's uh, that's your, that's your trailer right there. Well, you the, have to mention Van Halen. You can't, you can't do that show and not mention Van Halen. You'd be doing a total disservice. There's lots right, of so that. Sh- the, the beginning was the teaser. That was the trailer, right? That there. was the trailer. It's it, the trailer <laughs> yeah. is just. Now you're just going into spoilers, Randy. Now I'm what? Now you're just going into spoilers. Well, you know, we can oh, be sitting like, here right now telling like you a, what happened in Endgame, but. Oh, I was just going to say it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else that 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 you have to say that you didn't did, you didn't get out in four hours or what? Uh, no. All right then. Um, we thank you for uh, joining us on this long ride. Uh, it's been long for us, and hopefully it's it's been good. I, I think you know when you get to when you get to this stage in this time, you know this is pretty late at night that we're this is almost into the next day that we're doing this here. Uh, it it it, um, it it does take a toll and wear on you, but you know what? The hard work and the effort that we put into this, hopefully you guys are are uh, basking in it and enjoying it, and hopefully um, well, we didn't bounce off the rails too much today. I think we tried to, you know, we tried to stay super uh, energetic throughout the whole thing and, and super opinionated, and I think we at least accomplished that. So... Uh, Until next time, this is the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. We'll see you next week. Thanks for uh, dropping by once again, and uh, good day. Bye. We hereby open the floor for requests. Don't know that one. Used to know that one. Put it away. Uh, kind of know that one. 
See, this democratic thing can get really, really messy. All right, if this has a song on it, we'll have to play it. If it says, fuck me, Eddie, I'm not going to do it. Thanks for the music, please fuck me. I said I wasn't going to do that. Some people, they just always want a little bit more. Wait, wait, before I, before I say no, I should see what he looks like. <laughs> 